Experience Rum and Q's award-winning barbecue rubs, sauces and seasonings. Absolutely perfect for any occasion. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. No, Ben, I'm not contractually obligated to speak to 10. Good morning, New Zealand. Welcome into the show. It's back on 10 a.m. <laughs> Better early than never. Welcome into the Saturday session with yours truly, Daniel McCarty. Ben Francis is here. He is back. Hope you're feeling much better, mate. We missed you last Saturday. Good to have you back uh, running the cutter through to 1 o'clock. Our numbers are 0800 if you want to call, and I do encourage you to join me, especially this hour. You should know by now this is a great opportunity for you to get your two cents in uh, here on the Saturday session. You can also uh, pick up the phone and let your fingers do the talking if you want, if you want to send a text message to our Timber Bedpost text machine, double eight double three. I uh, encourage you to join in to talk this beautiful thing called sport. What's coming up on the show? Well, plenty. What else would you expect on the Saturday session with our uh, dear friends at Rum and Q, award-winning rubs, sauces, and seasonings? Mm. On the show today, later this hour, Grant Elliott, who desperately wants some Rum and Q product, well, he will have to come back to the studio next Saturday and get some. Uh, he'll join us and reflect on another lopsided one-day international between New Zealand and Pakistan. I caught up with him a couple of hours ago after the game completed and before he went to bed. Uh, around about 11.40, David Shote, the former all-white and SCNZ uh, football commentator, will sadly conduct another A-League playoff post-mortem on the Wellington Phoenix. More on them in just a moment or two. We will also talk NRL Magic Round with the Warriors and Panthers with former Panther Scotty Sadler, who joins the show after midday. We've got a very special guest after 11 o'clock. Big news during the week, basketball news. The World Cup draw was made and New Zealand was drawn against Jordan, Greece and the United States of America. Two very good sides there. Greece, of course, uh, have one guy called Giannis Antetokounmpo. You may have heard of him. He's pretty darn good. Um, and the United States, wow. Uh, the United States and basketball, wow, is it, it, is there a more successful couple in world sport? I, I'm not sure. We've got a rare treat for you after 11 o'clock. We are going to catch up with Sean Ford. Uh, he is um, the director of the United States uh, National Program. Yeah, the big dog, the top dog, joins the show after 11 o'clock as head of USA's basketball men's program. He is responsible for overseeing all facets of their program, whether that's coordinating team trials, training camps, exhibition games, uh, international competitions, which start in August with a warm-up tournament for the USA ahead of uh, the World Cup uh, later this year, also serving as staff liaison to all USA basketball men's competition committees. He has been involved in USA basketball for about 24 years. It's a real treat that we've got him on the show after 11 o'clock, and we can't wait to bring that to you. Uh, a real insight into uh, this extraordinarily successful program. Uh, current Olympic uh, gold medalists now, aren't they? But let's not forget what happened in 2019. They were bundled out very early by France uh, and have been licking some wounds over a number of years. New Zealand will uh, take them on in group stage, and we can't wait to uh, welcome in Sean Ford to the program 
uh, right on 11 o'clock after we do our headlines. Speaking of headlines, let's get to those right now. New Zealand are on the brink of a series whitewash after suffering a 102-run defeat against Pakistan in the fourth ODI in Karachi. Uh, Captain Baba Azam struck a century while a powerful lower-order batting display propelled them to a rather imposing total of 334 for the loss of six. Runs, runs, runs in this series for Pakistan. In reply, New Zealand really did struggle to keep pace uh, with that daunting run rate and lost their last five wickets for just 27 runs. Bowled out for 232. Tom Latham top scoring with 16. The Ufuk Dele era at the Wellington Phoenix is all over as they were eliminated uh, from the A-League playoffs, losing 2-0 to Adelaide last night. Adelaide captain Socceroos International Craig Goodwin. It had to be Craig Goodwin, didn't it? It was always going to be Craig Goodwin. He scored two goals, uh, although some sloppy Phoenix defending um, did help them out. The defeat signals the end of Tele's four years in charge of the Knicks. While they made the playoffs three of those four years, they failed to make um, him a winner in the playoffs, losing all three games. Uh, also a number of Phoenix players, including the likes of Oli Sale, Clayton Lewis, Stephen Ugarkovic, uh, leaving. And they have now officially played their last game for the club. And the Chiefs have continued their flawless Super Rugby Pacific season with a big 52-28 win over the Highlanders in Dunedin. The first place Chiefs ran in seven tries to four, closing out their 10th straight victory and keeping their chances of an unbeaten regular season alive. At the opposite end of the spectrum, the struggling Highlanders, despite some encouraging moments of improvement, plenty of heart, crashed to a fourth straight defeat. There you have it, the very latest in sports headlines to five minutes after 10 o'clock. Ben Francis... How are you? Good to see you, friend. Great to be back, Daniel. Uh, I missed last week, but I, 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 someone told me that it was an award-winning show last week, so I was an, I'm very unfortunate to miss out on that. Who told you that? Oh, I can't, can't say, Daniel. It's very high up sources. Oh, right, right. Um, so it was Grant Elliott winding you up from the other side of the world? Oh, most likely. You know what he's like. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, he is, mate. And he is. How's the week been? Good. Your fist for the weekend. Again, it's another one of those weekends. It's not as if there's a a lot of options for us. In fact, there's too many options, not enough hours in the day to watch all of it. Oh, heaps of sport going on. Uh, We actually, my partner and I, we went to the Auckland Tuatara Otago Nuggets game on Thursday night. So that that was that was quite a cool experience. some very high quality basketball, I must say. So very impressed. So you know, it was great to experience that. Uh, watched a bit of uh, Super Rugby last night and a, a bit of league, and looking forward to watching the Warriors tonight. Uh, unfortunate about the Phoenix as well with their season ending. So I'm looking forward to hearing what David Cho has to say because, boy, not a not a good way to end the season. Yeah, maybe we get to rub the wrong way uh, right now, Ben. Uh, rub the wrong way with rum and Q award-winning rub sources and seasoning. Uh, what has rubbed you, listener, the wrong way this week? 0800 150 or you could text us, double eight double three. Of course, we've got prizes, prizes, prizes to give away. Um, is it watching a depleted Black Caps continually being outplayed and by some distance by Pakistan in a one-day series? Or the fact that you have realised the Chiefs and the Crusaders don't play every week in Super Rugby? Or it could be something completely else. Let us know. I'll tell you what has rubbed me the wrong way. And it again was watching the Phoenix crash out in the first round of the A-League playoffs. That's what. Yes, the Phoenix should be applauded for their consistency in recent years. No doubt about that. They probably don't get enough recognition from certain uh, corners of the New Zealand media. But mm, because they've made, what, the playoffs four of the past five years... And the season they missed out on the playoffs was by just a single point. Only the beast that is Melbourne City can crow that they have a better record over 
those five years than the Knicks, having made it each season. It is impressive four out of five years, but the opposite is what they have done with those chances in the playoffs. Elimination finals mean elimination for the Wellington Phoenix. That's their recent history. And there was, again, no rising from the ashes after going behind midway through the first half last night, ultimately going on to lose two goals to nil to Adelaide to see their season come to a rather thudding end. But another trip down Sad Street we go to think about all the what-ifs. Last night against Adelaide, sloppy defending cost them dearly. I think I've said that before this season. Last year it was a 1-0 loss to Western United in Melbourne in 2020, a 1-0 loss to Perth in Sydney. That one really strung, uh, stung, rather. COVID hit season. Incredibly, they'd finished third, but bundled out in the first round of the playoffs. 2019, they went down uh, three goals to one to Melbourne victory in Melbourne. All just a case of history repeating last night for the Wellington Phoenix. In those four games over the last five years, they've scored one goal. One goal in five games. It's just not going to get it done, is it? No clean sheets in those five games either. So if you're going to be profligate in front of goal, uh, you've got to be good at the other end of the park. They haven't got uh, either of uh, those right. So it's a season of disappointment again. They're piling up now, aren't they? I feel for the players. I, I feel for the departing coach, Fictale, who's been a great hire, but I really feel for the fans. The Wellington Phoenix haven't won an A-League playoff game in more than a decade, going back to a penalty shootout win over Sydney FC in 2012. Uh, just go look up the names of who was playing in that game, and then you will feel quite old. That is too long. The fans need big moments. They need memorable moments. They have not had a home playoff game, and I mean in Wellington, since May 2015. And, of course, they lost that one too. Uh, COVID, yes, played a part in some of those seasons. While this year, they finished the season with a limp, not a sprint, and lost a chance to host a playoff game. And now, guess what? Another kind of rebuild, isn't it? New coach, a number of key starters from last night moving on. Let's just hope in 12 months' time, fans of the domestic game in New Zealand have a night to remember. Wouldn't that be nice? Because I think this club needs a big occasion to get some major cut through in a rather congested sporting landscape. That's what's rubbed me up the wrong way with Rum and Q. Experience Rum and Q's award-winning barbecue ribs, sauces and seasonings. Absolutely perfect for any occasion. Now it's your chance. 0800-150-811 or text us on double eight double three. Love to know what's rubbed you up the wrong way. Uh, you can also just uh, highlight um, you know, the major talking points from the sporting week. Uh, ben Francis, anything rubbed you up the wrong way? Got to be a little bit careful when your partner's in the room with you. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, mate, that's putting me on the spot, isn't it? Um, trying to think, in terms of a, a sporting landscape, it's, it's there's probably been a, a few things, to be honest, but it's nothing real personal. It's probably just more being, me being nitpicky. Nothing wrong with being nitpicky, is there? No. Nothing wrong with setting high standards? I guess not. I was, I was very, These I was, are opinions about sport, after all. That, that, Take those a little bit too seriously. I, I, I think you're in the wrong business. I, I tell you what, though. I, it's not, it, wasn't, it wasn't this week, but I was very disappointed I wasn't here last week because the, the Giannis quote when after the Bucks got eliminated from the finals, that I don't want to say it rubbed me the wrong way, but I can't, <laughs> but part of me, it, it did, it, 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 it rubbed, but I'm not going to say it completely rubbed me the wrong way. Because, Why? Oh, I, I kind of, I understood what he was saying, but I didn't fully agree with what he was saying because I was kind of thinking if I was in his shoes when he was talking about it was the season being a failure, 
to me, I would have said yes. It would have been a failure because, you know, I would go on every season wanting to win. And if I don't win, I would see that as being a failure. And I think the fact that the Bucks ended up sacking their coach yesterday actually is a sign that they failed. It is. Well, it is. They kind of failed in their ultimate goal. But he did articulate it well that, you know, only one team can win. So what? There's 31 look failures out there. Well, that, that's kind of why I say it kind of rubbed me, not fully the wrong way, but it rubbed me a little bit of the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, Richie writes, uh, the wheels clearly fell off the Phoenix train when it was announced that a number of players were leaving and it was likely the coach was leaving the club. Always denied it. Never owned it publicly. Maybe the lesson to be learned is to own it publicly uh, if this situation occurs. You don't get over a problem if you don't own it openly. That is uh, Richie uh, writing in. That's clearly rubbed him the wrong way. Um, and the way this season is wrapped up, uh, rubbing me the wrong way. What about you? 0800 You could text us, double eight double three. A reminder, uh, everyone who sends in a suggestion goes into um, our... I was going to say physical hat. We don't actually have a hat, do we? We don't do a hat. It's. Am I ever hat in the car? You know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did threaten to buy a hat and eat it if Man City win the English Premier League wins with Smithy earlier today. So I don't know. Do they sell edible hats anywhere? I might need to look into that. Uh, our number is 0800 150 811. Text us 8833. Your chance to shine. Back after this break with your calls and texts. Back after this. 17 minutes after 10 o'clock. Our number is 0800 150 811. 8833 is our temper bed post text machine number. Let's talk sport with you. You may want to offer your nomination for what's rubbed you the wrong way this week in association with Rum and Q, award winning rubs, sauces, and seasonings. We've got some uh, giveaways to anyone who's willing to play. Dean's first up. G'day, mate. He's rubbing up the wrong way. Sitting there as a Highlander supporter watching the young South and Larry tear us to bits. That would have to go close, wouldn't it? How the hell is he playing for the Highlanders? I like Dave Rennie as a coach, but picking him in the under 19 doesn't mean you should just go straight to Hamilton, but it is what it is. And oh my God, like how good was it to watch the Chiefs play rugby like that? You know, like you pay your $35 to get a seat in the stand and I didn't buy any beers to do down there until they had to last support in there. So I enjoyed myself, but just great game. Like the Highlanders tried. We've got a decent four pack. Billy Harmon for me was outstanding. But I don't sort of, I sort of question myself, you know. Like when I seen um, Freddie Burns named at first five, that finally they were going to play England rugby. Because I think honestly that's all the Highlanders can do. We've got a decent fullback, but a cracking second five. But we haven't got a whole lot else in the back line. We've got one of the best halfbacks the world's ever seen, and he really stepped up last night. Cracking game between those two. But to kick the ball down the throat of Stevenson when he was at fullback, and then when Damien went back there, I thought, what are they doing? Like, you've got to go, you've got to go line outs. If you're going to kick it, put it out. And then contest the line out and try and keep them, take them on up front, because the Hollanders fullback's okay. But their back line, just, you can't. I couldn't figure it out. Like they're just but great to watch. Like those tries. If people talking about rugby union lost it, if you watch a replay of that game, you don't see tries like that in rugby league. I don't want to compare the two. Like it's just a different different games. You either like them both or you don't. It's your choice. You choose what to watch. But that game last night for t- attacking rugby 
from nowhere. That winger's try that Damien threw the ball to. Man, that's just that that that's worth the price of admission just to see that try. And then the length of the field counter attack try. It's like what's going on? You know, that that rugby is best. Can I ask you um, this? What's going on with the Highlands defensively? It's the third time they've coughed up more than 50 points in a game, Dane. I'm sorry, that's... Well, I've, I think, I think, you know, like I just said, I, I think Umunga Jensen's quality and Sam Gilbert's pretty good too, but I played fullback myself and when other people miss the tackle, when they get to you, they're going flat out. And if, if they're straight on with you, they can go either side. You're sort of buggered. You don't have the, your best mate the sideline to stop them. So Sam missed a couple, but you can't, they just don't, the backs just don't have it. They're just not good enough. Simple as, for that level. The forwards are. Like that forward pack tries tenaciously. And as I said, I thought with Freddie Burns, kick it out. I've got an English first five. That's what they used to play. I don't like watching that. But for us to stay competitive, it's only my opinion. But he had to yep. boot it into touch. You can't kick it down Stevenson's throat. Like the kid's lethal. He's on, he's, on cloud nine, and Damien's just Damien. Like he, he has the ability to play in front of them better than anyone else running around. He's just he, Bowden Barrett when Bowden Barrett was at the Hurricanes and had faith in his outside backs. Yeah. Hey, hey, Dean. Before we wrap this up, Will Jordan returns. Um, Stevenson, you got me just thinking. Quick fire question. I want an answer. All black back three Will, to play a test match tomorrow. Will, yeah, uh, Will Jordan, fullback. The winger that didn't play last night for the Hurricanes is on one wing. And the other wing would be uh, Fyanuku. Simple, easy. The halfback would be Weber. The first five should be Damien. The second five should be Harvey with Enoch. I want combinations, mate. I want people that know each other, trust each other. Two back reserves. It wasn't going to be Aaron Smith. It was going to be uh, Rygaard. But I'll go Aaron Smith with Geordie Barrett for the reserve back because he can play anywhere and they can chop and change. There you go. Simple. Good on you, Dean. Appreciate it, mate. Uh, we'll chuck you on the jaw because uh, you've thrown in Damien McKenzie playing for the Highlanders. Uh, has rubbed you the wrong way. He's been rubbing you the wrong way for a long time, Dino, isn't he? He's been playing for them since oh. 2015. But, you know, fans never forget, mate. Fans never forget. Appreciate it, mate. Go enjoy your day. 22 minutes after 10 a.m. Our number is 0800 150 uh, There was a very gracious Highlanders fan sort of bowing down uh, to the Chiefs of, uh, you know, nine on the bounce this year. Was it 10, including last year? Oh, I forget. All I know is the the, uh, the Highlanders are very good at touch rugby, scoring about 35 points a game. Um, yeah, some very enjoyable tries for sure. And the Chiefs, uh, Crusaders last weekend, um, Brumbies, Canes the weekend before, there's been some good games. Um, and, and, you know, I, I know it's unpopular to say um, to certain people, Ben Francis, I like Super Rugby. I like the NRL. Um, Dean was in that boat. Um, you, you can like all things. Uh, your thoughts, welcome, 0800 uh, 1508811 Texas double eight double three. Love to know what's rubbed you the wrong way. Um, is it rubbing you the wrong way? The Warriors have still only beaten one side in the eight this year. I'm still not convinced who they are, Ben Francis. Oh, you're funny, Maybe you Daniel. Want to answer you're, the phone. You're, yeah. you're very funny. Well, it's a fact. It's a fact, right? It's a fact. No, no, no you know, you're right. It's a fact. You're right. You're right. It's a fact. But uh, you, 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 what you're trying to do here is you're trying to like poke the bear. You're, you're deliberately seeking. You're what? deliberately seeking to to wind me up. Cliff joins me. Cliff, I would never wind up someone deliberately. I think you've listened to me long enough. Cliff, how are you? Yeah. Welcome to the show. I would never wind anyone up deliberately. Oh, you've got to have a wee bit of winding, though, don't you? It just keeps things flowing nicely, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, I love poking the bear. I love poking the bear. 
Yeah, hey, I watched the watched the game last night. You know, like the first the first fifteen minutes or so, I thought we were in this game, but as soon as soon as we kicked the ball, but aimlessly, we were in trouble, and and we couldn't get up in a line of defence. That was the thing. If you're going to kick, you have to kick right deep into the corners and make them kick it out. If you're going to kick it up the middle and you've got two or three runners coming at you and they've got 20 metres before anybody gets near them and they start putting the pace on, we were in trouble. And it just showed every time we let the Chiefs have the ball, even in their own half, with with a bit of room, they just killed us. We we would grind ourselves back into it and get a try and then bang, bang. We would do the same. We'd just let them have the ball with a bit of room and they just carved us up. It, like the last caller said, as soon as you give a guy any sort of room and he's got pace and he's running at you, if you're running with him, you've got a chance. But if you're running, if you're moving up forward and he's got a lot of gas on you, you're, he's going to just, he only needs to yep. move a, a foot and you're not going to touch him. And that's what McKenzie and Stevenson and, and that other winger, their winger, he, he looked real dangerous. i tell you who played well for the Chiefs is that lock that came in. Uh, with the dreadlocks, he had a real solid game, but yeah, it was a, it was a tough one. Yeah, uh, he had that name uh, of an old league player. That was the guy. Uh, Frank was it? Frank? I've I've gone blank. Uh, I've gone blank. Yeah, hey, but but yeah, the, the the forwards for the Highlanders they battled hard. You know, the, the cap Billy Harmon and the number eight. Just lost his name, but he, yeah, they played well. You know, we they stuck at it, but they were just killed with the. You know, a good team doesn't need the ball. You can have it, and then as soon no, as you true. give it away, they'll punish you. And that's what the Crusaders I, used to do. I, I'm just detecting from you and the previous caller. I've been very uh, gracious in, in defeat, very complimentary of the Chiefs. But when you're watching your Highlanders at the moment, you, you're just expecting things to to wilt away at some stage. That, that you go into games not expecting much at the moment, which would be hugely frustrating from a fan's perspective. Oh, look, you know, the, the young fella played fullback, played well. He had to take the ball up probably too many times. Nobody has seemed to want to do it from the back. But, I mean, you can tell Ben Smith and a few of those sort of guys in the back line, a few more generals, and, and it's, a good, it's a good unit. It just misses two or three really good... The whole those Ben Smith type guys, something something X factor. Umanga Jensen's a good player, the fullback and, and Aaron Smith, but the rest of them, they're just good NPC players. That's about it, and it's and it's sad. You know, it's what we've got to work with. And I'm sure you'll stick with them, Cliff. You always do. Thanks, mate. Go hey, enjoy your mate. Saturday. Appreciate yeah. your thoughts. Sorry, sorry, yeah. you were going to say something else. Oh, just about the old black caps last night. You know, yeah, Pakistan, Pakistan batsmen are on a roll, aren't they? You know, they go out there yeah. and they just middling everything, you know, to make 300 plus again. And our boys battle away, you know, 220 odd. We just, yeah, like been saying, we, we haven't got a guy who's, somebody has to make 100 plus when you've got to chase 300. And we just haven't got that guy or the pressure's on us to, so quickly and when you're chasing at six and a half and over from the start, it is tough. And a 50 over game, you've got to grind it a bit. You've got to give the seamers a chance. You know, they've got a, got a new ball and they're going to do some damage. And 
and that's just what happens, you know. We just they just got a lot more than we could get. But hopefully, hey, Pakistan. Time... Yeah, Pakistan are the number one one day side in the world on the world rankings for what that is worth. And I tell you what, I, I, I'm not sure if if you like a, a little punt, uh, Cliff. Here's a little tip for you and anyone listening, and I appreciate your call. Um, I, I, the futures odds for the ICC World Cup overall winner, Pakistan are paying like seven dollars fifty. I think the fourth favourite, and actually the top three are, are much shorter than they are. Uh, I think there's some value in there if, if you want to play the long game. Just don't blame me um, if it doesn't come in, because this is technically outside of the um, sporting tips you should probably run a mile from. Um, spectacle that we do at the end of the show. And here's a tip. Um, my tip this week won't be Pakistan winning, but I'm very interested in those odds. We've got to take a break. Speaking of Pakistan, we head there after it with Grant Elliott up next. 28 minutes away from 11 o'clock. Keep your thoughts coming through on double eight double three. We'll pick up the phone 0800 150 What's rubbed you the wrong way? That's our question on every Saturday. Uh, we want to hear from you. And we've got some wonderful prizes to give away thanks to the awesome crew at Rum and Q, who I'm sure we'll get a mention uh, in our next segment, it is time to head to Pakistan, where we join Pakistan's favourite child, Mr. Grant Elliott. He's my favourite child because he's usually sitting next to me. And this week, we had visual communication for the first time in weeks, and I started off with a compliment, telling him he was looking rather good. You know what? I'm feeling good. In fact, I've only had a migraine for about 48 hours. Um, I went and played golf and only drank a litre of water and didn't realise you have to drink about five litres of water. Because we teed off at 9 a.m. And honestly, Mark Butcher, I've never seen someone's ass sweat so much. He was wearing blue pants and there was like this wet patch behind him. But he was playing such a bad round, I just couldn't take a photo of it and send it out and saying hot in Karachi for Butch. But honestly, that sort of heat. And when Tom Latham won the toss today and said, we'll have a rock and roll. I was like, good luck, fellas, good luck, because there is some serious heat, almost the same heat when you ate that Carolina Reaper in the um, in the studio. That's the sort of heat we're talking here. But you know I handled that with a plomb. sounded like um, Butch's ass didn't. So I, I'm, I'm offended. I'm offended. <laughs> no, he was probably also sweating because we put him under a lot of pressure, me and Lisa Stalaker, the trans-Tasmans. In fact, it was quite surprising. I played with an Aussie and we got along quite well. So, yeah, I haven't got along with many Australians. So that was, uh, you know, one for the, the bucket list. And we took on uh, Butch and Uruj Mumtaz, Pakistan commentator, and we smoked them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. After the 13th hole, we were shaking hands and saying thanks for the game. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. I understand you visited a leather market what you're getting some crutchless chaps or something to bring home no all that stuff that you asked me yeah. Uh, yeah. that you wanted because i know you're a big fan of the the leather indoors um no uh, I, I had to do a segment to show how much i loved the markets in pakistan so they took me to a leather shop the leather market so went there and i was like oh what do i do now so i tried on a few jackets and it looked like I was in the YMCA lineup. So um, they filmed that though, which was great. So I'll get a lot of lot of fans for that. And then I saw this 
little Peaky Blinder hats. And Butch has been wearing a Peaky Blinder hat to every game. But it was leather. Like, can you imagine how breathable leather is in Pakistan? <laughs> so I presented it to him in the studio today. And he wore it for like two seconds. And he said, I played with Grant Elliott. I captained him. But I thought he was an absolute idiot. And then he threw the cap back at me. And the cap made its rounds. But there was there was a few cap uh, cap handouts in the last week. Cole McConkie made his uh, debut, and then um, he would have been uh, black cap number two hundred and ten. And then um, Ben Lister made his ODI debut as well, and he was black cap uh, two hundred and eleven. And um, imagine making a debut as a bowler on these wickets. I mean, that is just a gift, isn't it? Beautiful. It swings for three deliveries. Three balls it swings for the boys tell me, and then it's done and dusted. So it's pretty flat. Um, and fair to say the New Zealand bowlers have uh, struggled to sort of figure out how to take wickets in this one-day series. If I just look at the scores, Grant, 291 for five. There's Pakistan, of course, here I'm talking about. 291 for five in 48.3 overs, then 337 for three in 48.2. Then, oh, they really struggled. Only made 287 for six in the third one. Still won by 26 runs. Yeah. And then in the game today, 334, uh, their second highest score of uh, the series. And again, just six down. They've, I don't want to say made a mockery of the New Zealand bowlers, but they've just made it look oh so simple, haven't they? You know, when we play against Australia, and I watch that Boxing Day test match, and our bowlers are bowling like mid-130s, and then you watch 150k or 145k rockets. It's a different game, you know. Like these guys are so skilled, and we counter. We got given the stats of how many bowlers bowl over 140k's in Pakistan domestically. They've got 14 bowlers that bowl 140k's. And when I look at the names on those uh, of those bowlers, like you could probably play a lot of them in this ODI series. They've all had a little bit of ODI experience, like Shanawaz Dahani and uh, uh, Shinwari, um, and then Zaman, who played in the um, in the T20s. They're all like, you know, one mid-140s. And, you know, we don't have many bowlers. We've got Milne, who bowls one, you know, mid-140s. And then outside of that, Milne and Lockie Ferguson and Ben Sears, you think, pace-wise in New Zealand. So it's a different game. The ball's reversing a bit. You can't hurt Pakistan in the back end. Um, they, in the last 10 overs today, first five overs, they scored 24. So overs 40 to 45, 24. Overs 45 to 50, they scored another 70 runs. So we got hit for 94 in the last 10. So I'm going to let that sink in. 70 runs in the last five. Yeah, and here's me thinking when you're saying you can't hurt them at the back end, I'm thinking about Pakistan's death bowling, but, um, you know, their, their batting has proven to be just as lethal. Um, and, and I did see, was it Shaheen Shah Freddy got 23 off seven at three sixes? Come on, he's having a laugh. Is he going to turn into yeah. a bowling round? He got the Zik Motor Oil All-Rounder of the Day oh, award. Of course. For, oh, I've been so worried about that, the Zig Motor Oil All-Rounder of the Day. <laughs> so important. He's there. Yeah, um, and would, is, is there a soft cock award? Uh, um, soft cock rub? How have you been going with your soft cock? Good, very good. I've been, um, I, I, I've been quite judicious with my soft cock this week. I, I've tried to leave it alone. 
are you waiting for me to arrive before? Yeah, no, I, I don't want to put. It, I don't want to put it on every bit of white meat that I have available to me in the house. But yeah. it's very good. It sounds rum and cue, like excellent rum, stuff. It, Grant, don't yeah. worry. Like, the box is still full. The box is still full. <laughs> That's great. We I, have... we... I haven't gone to town yet. Are we going to have a soft cock uh, of the the week award? We could. We or we could have the umami ga um, garlic butter um, award. I can't wait oh. to. Open it. Yeah, yeah, that does yeah. look good. Yeah. How, when yeah. do you get back? When do you get back? And uh, are you here next weekend then, or do you get some time off? Yes. So I will be back. I get back on the eleventh. So I'll be back in the studio for the Saturday sesh that weekend. Um, looking forward to it. But I'll get back to the cricket. I, I got yeah, sidetracked for a second there. Wow. Um, it's easy to do that with such wonderful rum and cue products that we have available to us. Get on it. The soft cock. How good. Um, so, Pakistan team, let's talk about how, how good they are. Their, their top three batters are in the top five in the world. I didn't even know that. Fucker Zaman gets no mileage whatsoever. Like every I'm time so glad you've mentioned that. He is a sensational player. And you know that Fucker Zaman. He, he was at school and someone from the military saw him play. And they said, no, you're not playing for school. You're going to play for the military. So as soon as he was 16, so he would practice with the military every day at four o'clock. He'd go there, have a net session with them. And then as soon as he matriculated straight to the military, played for the military side, they coached him up. Then he played first class cricket A's and then went into Pakistan. And while he was studying to be uh, in, in uh, not just the military, went to the Navy afterwards. So fascinating story, like how he got to play for Pakistan. Um, so hard as nails, obviously, like mentally tuned in. And then you've got Imam Al-Haq, who I was like, oh, yeah, you know, he's, he's all right. He's number five in the world. So they actually left him out today, just rotation policy. And um, then you throw in their, their, their seam bowlers. So let's say they've got Harris Ralph, bowls close to 150. Shane Shafridi, left arm over, bowls 145. And then you've got that guy, Wazim Jr., who was, uh, came in for Nassim Shah, who bowls 145. We're talking about six players in the team now, I haven't even mentioned Rizwan, that are like world class. So let's throw Rizwan in there at four. And then you throw Shadab Khan, who's multifaceted cricketer, great leader, leg spinner, and power hitter. So there we've got eight players that are unbelievable. And we're playing our second string team because we've got nine in the IPL. Don't want to make excuses, but I mean, you know, it is different gravy when you're facing that, that, you know, pace of over 145. So you can't get Pakistan at the death. You have to try and nail them from over 10 to 40. Because remember in one day cricket now, there's only four players out. So I almost see that as your power play. You know, try and take advantage of their spinners then so that they bring their paces back and then you might be able to hurt them at the back end. Mm -hmm. So, like, we've been outclassed, I think, in the last, in, in the um, third ODI. We restricted them to 288 and we fell 26 short. So that was actually a good effort. I reckon that was a par score, 288. But then once again, we won the toss today. We were hoping that there was going to be due. There was no due and it was a scorcher. So, um yeah, and it spun towards the end, and the pitch probably deteriorated a little bit. So, misread that one. It'll be interesting if we win the toss in the next one to see what we do, because I think Latham might be a bit gun-shy to bowl first again. 
Yeah, I've a sneaking suspicion you might be right. If I look at the um, the odds at the TAB uh, for the uh, ICC Cricket World Cup as an outright winner, India's favourites at three fifty, England four, Australia five, then Pakistan at seven dollars fifty. Are you telling me oh. that they are way closer to the top than you know, sort of drifting off the top three? Yeah, they they definitely like top contender. I reckon when I watch the the way that they bowl. They get a little bit of reverse at the end. Um, yeah, and their, their batting is solid. So even if they don't score a lot of runs, they've still got the opportunity to knock the other the other team over. So their bowling is pretty lethal in that way. And I reckon they they left 40 runs in the tank today because Barbarazam was batting towards his 100 and it took him seven overs to get there. So if they do what I said, you should do in, in the World Cup, which is, I think, look at overs 10 to 40, so probably overs 20 to 40. Those are like your power plays where you can really look to accelerate because there's only four players out. So if someone like Bob Razum decides to be more attacking in that period, he would have ended up with 140 today. Yeah. Um, instead of, you know, just a, a, a small sort of 100. Um, and I think that teams will look to dominate spinners during that period, which means more risk. So you could get wickets, but at the same time, could get those large scores if you come up, uh, come off, and it'll be the over three fifty. From a New Zealand perspective, Daryl Mitchell's had a good series. You know those two hundreds to start. You know close to three hundred runs already in four games. Matt Henry, I think, has done a really good job. Uh, Grant seven wickets in four games. You know economies in the mid fives. You take that every time. Uh, other than that, who's put their hand up? Now I'm not going to ask you to announce um, your. Grant Elliott, uh, current, very likely to change a lot, uh, New Zealand World Cup 11. But but who, who, who's done themselves a lot of favours in these four games who, who might be sort of on the cusp of being in and out of a World Cup squad? Um, Cole McConkie, I think, has been unlucky because when you look at the surfaces in New Zealand, we always play a medium pacer that bats a bit, so spinners just miss out. So probably unnoticed and not even in contention, whereas... He's bowled well, he's batted well. He went for 46 and he got hit for in the, the third ODI. And in this ODI, he got one for uh, 61. Um, and that he got hit for 15 off his last over, which is actually like he's bowled bloody well because he's bowled in the middle period. Then also got 60-odd in his first, in his debut. So smokes it at the death. So he's done really well. Um, I also think that Chapman, obviously, in the T20s, batted nicely tonight as well because he was aggressive. Yeah, just needs to find that temp- tempo that he needs to bat at. Will Young, I think, has looked good. He's looked the part. You know, he's one big score away from being well in contention. And I think, you know, when we look at that opening berth, it's probably like Finn Allen or Will Young with Devin Conway. Yeah. Um. So it'll be interesting to see which way they go w- with that one. And then Tom Latham, as skipper, obviously, um, has done quite nicely. Adam Milne is bowled with pace. Um, but on these wickets, it's just difficult. Like I saw the bowlers, they're in the same hotel as them, and I sat down with them. Sheesh, they were pretty disillusioned. I said to them, I said, <laughs> I said, but guys, you know, when you bowl your bouncer, it just seems like it's not getting up high enough. And they looked at me, and they were not happy with that <laughs> comment. <laughs> Winning the friends and influencing people, are you just? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's easy to wind up bowlers, though, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Grant, good to see your face, my friend. Go get some sleep. I know it's been a very long day, scorching hot day. Uh, you look unflappable. You look like no perspiration has come down your brow. 
One more week, mate. We look forward to having you back uh, back in studio where you uh, rightly belong. Um, uh, take it easy, my friend, and, and thanks for being so generous with your time on the road in these strange wee early hours when we've caught up. Thanks, buddy. Weirdly, I, I do miss you abusing me, uh, but don't worry. They're abusing me in the commentary box. I've become a, a real easy target, so um, I'm copying it over here as well. Well, they obviously got my brief. Uh, that we sent to the commentary team prior to Grant's departure to Pakistan. Yeah, Grant Elliott's all going well. Um, travel involved. Grant's involved, so who knows there. Uh, we'll be back in studio on Saturday, next Saturday, for the full show. Fantastic. That was Grant Elliott live from Pakistan. Well, I was live from my bathroom. Uh, 12 minutes away from 11, back after this with the Ocho, the weird sporting stories you must know about. Almost seven minutes away from 11 o'clock. Let's head to the Ocho now. The weird sporting stories you may have heard about, but if you haven't, you must know about. A man in Florida. Why does it always start with a man in Florida, Ben? Why, why does it always start with a man in Florida? Something about Florida. A man in Florida exploited a loophole in state laws to enter a women's only poker tournament, eventually taking home over 5,000 US dollars. David Hughes, sorry, David Hughes, 70, tried his luck by entering a 250-buck Ladies No Limit Hold'em tournament at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Deltona, Florida. Florida's anti-discrimination law state that men must be allowed to enter women's casino events, and Hughes subsequently became one of 83 participants at the table, eventually winning the whole competition while looking well out of place and also copying a fair bit of abuse online from uh, the poker community, it did seem. David Hughes, he'd be fun at parties, wouldn't he, Ben? Now, this is a hilarious story that you should probably go seek out the pictures for. The Catalan's Dragons players were forced to run for cover after a bull broke loose during a pre-match parade ahead of their much-anticipated Super League Rugby League clash against St. Helens. The parade was contrived by the Catalan's owner, who I won't even attempt to pronunciate his name and butcher it, but he is the head of a local meat processing company. Is that for real? And he wanted to celebrate the quality of beef in the region. However, all did not go according to plan as one of the bulls broke free, dragging its unfortunate handler across the turf before shaking free and gallivanting. Do bulls gallivant? Well, I guess they do. Gallivanting towards the post, sending players who were minding their own business while warming up at the time, scattering into the stands. It was like the running of the Bulls, just on a rugby league field. The Bull, one of three in the parade, was swiftly recovered with no damage done, bar a few raised heart rates. And that started as scheduled in Perpignan. Our number two of the show, we're into... 11 o'clock territory, bang on 11 a.m. Daniel McCarty, Ben Francis with you. We roll through to 1 a.m., 1 p.m. before uh, Clado and crew take over on the good oil. They'll have a preview before we depart. What else coming up on the show? Scotty Stadler in about an hour's time to join us to talk the NRL later this hour. Oh, dear. Playoff post-mortem on the Wellington Phoenix, delivered by Dr. David Choate, uh, the former all-white NSNZ football commentator, to join me later this hour. Coming up very shortly, though, our very special guest. Can't wait to bring you this interview. We spoke to him a little bit earlier because he's based in the United States. Uh, Sean Ford is his name. He's the head of the United States of America Basketball Men's Program. The Big Cheese runs it all. has been there for about 25 years. Been uh, in the role for a long, long time. 
Uh, of course, uh, the United States and basketball go hand-in-hand, hand, one of the most famous connections in all of sport. And, of course, the Tall Blacks were drawn against the United States uh, for the upcoming World Cup uh, alongside Greece and Jordan in that group. We'll talk about that program. How do they piece together a side? Um, of course, most of their talent deep in the NBA playoffs, of course. Uh, we'll talk about uh, how they're going to look to bounce back after... Uh, you know, being humbled at the 2019 World Cup. Can't wait to uh, play your interview with Sean Ford in just a couple of minutes' time. Before we get there, though, let's get to the latest in sports headlines at the top of the hour. And the Wellington Phoenix women will be appointing a new head coach with the announcement of who will take the reins for the 2023-24 season set to be made next week. Natalie Lawrence decided against seeking reappointment following a review of the team's latest campaign. Meantime, the men's side has suffered another first-round playoff defeat. Uh, going down by two goals to nil to Adelaide United in the A-League men's finals. Tough night for Wellington sports fans as the Saints slumped to their fourth loss of the M- uh, New Zealand NBL season. I think four losses out of five games. Going down to 100 uh, by 102 to 88 to the Canterbury Rams in the sales NBL. Uh, to ben Brown finished with 20 points, four rebounds, five assists for the Rams. While Ty Winyard posted another double-double. Big numbers too, 19 and 13. The Rams are now top of the table with five wins and just one loss, while the Saints have one win and four losses. And a commanding 32 points to six win over the Seagulls last night has ensured the Broncos will end Magic Round atop of the NRL Premiership ladder. Did you get that, Ben Francis? They're still top. No response? How's that? Uh, how's that? They'll uh, win the wooden spoon bet. What was it paying? $257? I'd like to know. Mate, Can you give ma- me weekly updates? Mate, on, crazy, uh, crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. <laughs> it was a real shame you were here. I weren't here last weekend with the, after the Broncos got absolutely slapped. That I might uh, I might take next week off actually. Just just thinking about it now. Just to say, <laughs> yeah, you take every weekend every weekend off exactly because uh, the Broncos will lose every game. Yeah. Uh, meantime, the Raiders moved inside the top eight after beating the Bulldogs. 36 points to 30. That is their fourth straight win. To basketball we turn. Delighted to welcome into the program the head of United States Basketball Men's Program. Yep, he's a big deal as Sean Ford. We caught up with him a little bit earlier. The United States, New Zealand, Greece and Jordan will all participate in the same pool at the upcoming FIBA World Cup. Uh, of course, the United States won tournaments in 2010-2014, humbled in 2019, bounced back, winning the Olympic gold medal in Tokyo. Uh, and, of course, uh, Sean Ford has been involved in all of those. Whilst most of the talent available to the United States are deep in NBA playoff territory now, aren't they? We uh, started off by asking short, uh, Sean, I'm sure planning has started a long time ago, and they're getting ready for this rather large international event. Well, you know, the, the, it's a little bit different to qualify for it these days, um, you know, with the, the windows that and uh, the six windows after, you know, you kind of your zone championship. But, you know, from a, a preparation standpoint of the World Cup itself, uh, you know, there's 32 teams now. There's four pools. There's a different a little bit of a different format. Um, so you're, you're kind of locked in on, on those factors. And, uh, you know, it's always in a different part of the world, which brings you know, different um, opportunities and, and different, you know, strategies as you go. Um, you know, China is different than the Philippines and there's three different countries this time and not knowing where you're going to be in advance. But, 
you know, once you can kind of set up a, a system where you can kind of lock in and try to have a sense of normalcy, uh, I think it really helps you as you as you begin to put your team together. Sense of normalcy. How difficult is that for your organization? Because I'd imagine access to players um, are not always easy to come by compared to other organizations. Is that probably a fair way to look at it? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, there's there's 32 countries that, you know, put their team together for the World Cup. And I think everyone has their challenges. Um, and uh, some challenges are harder than others. And we, we have an abundance of talent So in our country. So no one's going to feel sorry for us. Um, but, <laughs> You know, but but we we also have you know a high number of people that are playing in the NBA, and um, you know the sometimes their availability isn't as as easy as other countries. So um, you know the World Cup just comes down to players, and like any FIBA competition and any sport, it's about the players. And so you know if we can we can get you know a right mix of players and and you know put them in a position where they can you know you know do what they're good at, and uh, same with the coaches. We got a chance. Sure, it seems other sports do at times grapple with the club v country. Um, it, from my vantage point, a real outsider's you know vantage point. Please tell me if I'm wrong. It seems you guys might have cracked the code. It seems relationships between you know professional franchises uh, and your own organisations is pretty good. Um, you know, direct line of communication. Is that fair to say that you know you know many years of hard work is you know left you in a good place? I think so. I think we've worked at it hard. I think that, you you know, you can never think that, you know, it's, it's done, you know, it's, it's a constant, um, it's constant cooperation. It's, it's constant communication. Uh, we're, we are fortunate that uh, from a USA basketball standpoint, we interact and with all, a lot of these players at, at the younger level, you know, at U16, U17, U18, U19, and we get to know the players and we get to know their parents. And, you know, we're we're kind of a, a unique organization in the United States because we're one of the few organizations that stays with the players um, throughout their whole career if they're if they maintain an elite level status. Um, we understand that for the most part, well, anyone who plays for USA basketball, we're their second team because they have a primary team. And in for high school kids, we're actually their third team because they play on a high school team during the during the school year and a club team in, you know, in the summer. And then they play for us. So, you know, we, we understand that. And, you know, we, we try to uh, respect that. But, you know, at the same time, um, provide them an opportunity to compete at an international level and, and do some great things with us also. To the World Cup itself, uh, drawing uh, New Zealand, Jordan and Greece, of course, probably the other marquee name alongside the USA. Uh, you're happy enough with that or is it literally you do not care? <laughs> well, you know, you can always look at different, you know, we've been doing this enough that you kind of look at the draw. And, you know, a lot of times if you say, wow, I really like our draw, you know, we, we this and that. It just means that, like, you know, if you get out of your first pool, then, you know, there's good teams everywhere. And, yeah. and so that maybe the better teams are in the second round. Who knows? You know, like if you look at it different and, and you know, I, I think we look at it a lot as 
we try to worry about the things that we can control and try to spend less time on the things that we can't. And we can control our attitude and we can control how, how we're going to do this thing. Mm. And, you know, a lot of times um, we feel like some, you know, if we get, if someone beats us, we need them to be better than us. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. We just don't want to beat ourselves. And I think that if you can, if you spend too much time on worrying about things outside of your team and not worried about your own team and what you're doing, um, you know, you can, you can get high, you can get hijacked, you can get sidetracked. You can, you know, look back on it and say, man, they beat us today, but you know, we contributed to that. You know, we helped them beat us and, and we want to try to avoid that. As far as the global game, it truly is uh, an elite global game. But you And you've been doing this a long time. I think you've been with USA Basketball since 1999. So you're well positioned to comment. Just how level is the playing field? Uh, how much growth in the global game have you seen over a generation? How deep a tournament uh, is ahead of us? Well, you know, it, it's gotten a lot deeper. Um, you're exactly right. There are more and more um, elite players uh, from, you know, outside of the United States. Um, the last five NBA MVPs, the last uh, ha- are are foreign-born players. Um, you know, Giannis won it twice, so there's four different individuals. But you know, we haven't had a U.S.-born uh, player win the MVP and the MV, you know, for six years, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's very telling. I think the other thing that you're finding is uh, it's not just that the teams have, you know, elite level players. Uh, it, what I think about is you, you have the, the teams are deeper. Okay. The teams get beyond just their starting five mm. and, you know, when when a coach is in a close game, you know usually their rotation is eight or nine players, and you know teams are now eight and nine players deep. Where you know there was a period of time where we would dominate um, just because of the sheer talent, and I think now we've gotten to the point where, okay, you know our starters, you know, would be able to, you know, people would could hold, you know, play well against their starters, but then when we went to the bench, you know, we were better. And now I think you find that um, there, there's good players, you know, even into the bench area, if that makes sense. You know, the yeah. teams are not just are their best players really good. Um, they're they're getting uh, deeper in talent as well, um, which which is, um, you know, again, uh, people are getting better. What What is your depth of understanding of teams like, say, Jordan and New Zealand? You know, not marquee international names. Um are you well scout? Have you scouted them well, or is that something for Steve and his team to do once you know he, he's out of the you know you, you know, know the, to be honest with you, we we have we have um, we have some people that will, will specialize in that area, and and we're getting to work right now. Um, we 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 respect all of our opponents, and we yeah. respect every person that and every team that we're about to to face. And I think you you respect them by preparing the right way. Now, we didn't spend a lot of time prior to the draw, you know, scouting all 
31 possible teams that we're going to play. Uh, now that we're in the draw, we know who our first three opponents yeah. are. Now, now we kind of dive in, you know, and we, we look and see, okay, what were they in the World Cup? What what did that roster look like? What was the coach like? What about their qualifiers? And what about their zone championship if they played in it? And and do they have consistent coaching all the way through? What consistency of players are all the way through? And we look at their games and we look at their stats. And then we also like to look at and see the players that they have on their team. It's it's not only what they do when they're with their national team, but what are they capable of doing when they're with their uh, their team during the season? Um, because you you can look at it and see, you know, there could be an outlier game that like someone plays great against us and they hadn't played great all tournament. But if you look at what they did all season long for their team, yeah, they're capable of making five three pointers in a the game. They they did it four times during yeah. their season, you know. So you, you got to look deeper and and show you know what those players are capable of, and and that's what we'll start to do now. I'm sure many of our listeners will be fascinated to know how um, this next question is sort of answered. Um, your World Cup roster, of course, not to be named till after the NBA Finals. Uh, the head coach um, Steve Kerr, of course deep in the weeds with the Golden State Warriors right now. He, he's got a pretty marquee matchup uh, to focus in on. So once that is all said and done, how quickly does it sort of um, resolve itself? Like, I guess what I'm asking here, do you have a squad in mind or do you get on the blower to see how everyone is? You know, paint a picture of how you work through we, we that. We, we may, you know, our hope is to finalise our roster there, but it doesn't mean that we started that. You know, yeah. we, 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 we're, we're, we're having some, you know, very productive conversations with a lot of uh, of people, and um, we, we're we're happy where we are right now. Um, and we, it's it's not a um, it's not an easy road, but you know, it's not supposed to be. You know, it's it's not uh, none of this is is easy. If if it was, you know, um, it probably wouldn't be wouldn't be worthwhile, and we'd probably be doing something wrong. Um, you know, so we're, we're, we're kind of figuring it out as we go, but we know our path. When I say figuring, it's not within question. It's, it's, uh, you know, we got to put the pieces together in the right way because we know what we're up against. And, um, it's, uh, we're in a good place. I, I feel confident that, um, we're going to have a, um, a team that, uh, would make the U.S. proud that will compete and respect their opponents and, uh, you know, be ready to put the work in that's going to be required uh, to play at the level that's going to be needed to get the job done. You're not going to tell me you're starting five, are you? No. <laughs> what, what What's postseason – what is the greatest obstacle to overcome? Is it players' health, uh, general sort of well-being, r- rather than the, a lack of de- – and this is the wrong word, I can feel a re- lack of desire to play at the World Cup. I don't, I don't think it will be that. It's all, all about no, more it's, about how it's people a lot are feeling. Of, it's a lot of things. And, and, and one is it's overall availability. It's a long time. You know, it's a long commitment. You know, it's a three-week training camp and then, a you know – uh, two and a half to three week competition. It's a long commitment. 
And so availability is, is important. You have players that have families, they have children, um, they, you know, may have, you know, a newborn coming, they could be getting married, they, you know, they could be in a wedding of someone else's, they, you know, there's all kinds of things. And there's their player, the player health, and, um, you know, what's their body feel like, uh, you know, sometimes they, they may have to have some work done on their body that's not necessarily public, but they just need it fixed and, and need it um, to, to, for the next year. Um, you have contract status and, and where they are with their contracts sometimes. So we understand all that. And some things they, they don't necessarily control. So we we take all those things into account and have conversations with people and understand that they have lives to live and it's got to work for them. John, you know, hard to ignore what happened in 2019 after, you know, back-to-back successes in 2010 and 14. So, you know, you walked away, uh, tail between leagues somewhat, probably determined to get back to the top of the tree. So what must change from four years ago? Or is it is it almost pointless at times looking backwards? Well, it, uh, you know, sometimes you can be, you know, fortunate and sometimes you can be unfortunate. Um, you know, we, I think in, in 19, you know, one of the unfortunate things that we had to deal with that we hadn't had before were injuries. Jason Tatum's a heck of a player and yeah, uh, pro- probably don't, you know, people, you know, even I tend to forget he only played in two games in the World Cup. You know, he, he didn't he didn't play against France when we lost. And that was a, um, you know, that would have been I would have nice. I would have liked to seen our team with the healthy Jason Tatum playing France that. But, hey, they played great. They played great. And, and they certainly deserve to win that game. Uh, and so it's it's not a lot of, uh, you know, we can try to get better. We'll, we'll always try to get better. And we, we learn as we go. But other teams do, too. Uh, so we're, you know, we feel like we, in a way, came back, you know, and, and did some things that were beneficial because we came back and won the Olympics, and um, that was um, that was a great accomplishment under some, you know, challenging circumstances in Tokyo. But we all, everyone had them. It wasn't like we were the only one, but it wasn't easy. Um, and you know, we'll come back, you know, and and give it a good fight again this this time around. You know, we're really looking sure, forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. We all are, really. Um, I, I think um, the heightened sense of excitement is obvious in New Zealand after, as I said at the top, that the name the USA comes out. Uh, when you talk to players, you know, how special are these tournaments for them? You know, um, do, do they get great pride? You know, once have been through tournaments, a general feedback? Yes, they do. I think they have great pride. I think they... They love to compete. <laughs> that that's kind of you know when you're at an elite level at something and you're kind of one of the best at what you do, you, you really like to compete. And that's what I find a lot about our players is it's about the competition of it all. And they know it's not going to be easy, and that kind of you know gives them a little bit of the motivation, you know, to go do something hard. And and they they have. Um, uh, appropriate belief in them, belief in themselves. Okay, they 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 do, and it, it's appropriate, and and uh, I we support that, and we like to put them in a position to 
accomplish something that is not something that, you, that comes every day. Last one from me, Sean. Are you allowed to offer an opinion on who wins the NBA playoffs? Ooh, no, you know what? I, that's a, I'm not sure that, you know, there's experts who don't, who aren't even sure how that's going to go, to be honest with you. It's, it's been great. great. It? It's, it's, it's great. been just terrific. There's been some great players, some great games. Um, you know, unfortunately, the injury bug has affected some teams, but it's created a lot of opportunity for people. Uh, you know, Jamaica Green, Michael, um, he played, you know, on our, on our, tw- 2008 U18 team. So 15 years ago, he was on our team and he's just grinded it out for so long. And he was, he's just always ready. And here he is, he hits a couple three pointers. He get makes a basket in transition, gets some offensive rebounds. And and he was ready. He was ready. And, And I was so happy for him. Those, those things that it's, it's great. It's a great lesson to so many players that are just wondering why they grind out the way they're doing. And, you know, your opportunity is going to come. Well, Sean, thanks so much for taking the time. It's been a joy spending some time. You're welcome. Thanks for staying up so late to speak to us here in New Zealand. It's a really exciting few months ahead for basketball. And we are, one of my favorite things, what I thought about when I saw New Zealand is the haka. You know, (laughs) we, we love the haka. We love it. And so, you know, hopefully they'll, They'll do the haka for us before the game. Uh, not of all, all of our players probably have experienced before, but it's just a great sense of, um, of spirit. And, you know, you get the culture, but the spirit in which your players do that, uh, I, I always find it fascinating. And, and I love it when we're in a tournament with New Zealand and we get to watch it, but I, I love it when we match up against you guys and, and uh, you know, we, we get to see the haka because that's, that's part of the overall experience of, you know, doing something internationally. So we're pumped about that. Brilliant. They're a pretty passionate team. I'm sure they'll deliver it with great gusto. Great. And it'll I love be something it. you will remember. Thanks so much again, Sean. Okay. All the very best. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Sean Ford, who is the head of the United States uh, basketball men's program. Pretty big, pretty big fish, pretty big job and pretty uh, large expectations on that team's shoulders as they uh, look to uh, avenge uh, the disappointment of 2019 uh, when the FIBA World Cup uh, tips off in a few months' time later this year. It really is the year of World Cups. Uh, New Zealand, Jordan, Greece, all been drawn in the United States. Paul, what a a great opportunity to dig a little bit deeper into that um, high-performing program. Uh, And we do really appreciate um, United States basketball making him so available, just like that. Uh, Thanks to Sean Ford for taking the time. The time is 29 minutes after 11 o'clock. We take a break. Our post-mortem of the Wellington Phoenix, not too far away. Remember to keep your nominations coming through for, especially uh, what's rubbed you the wrong way this week. Thanks to our great crew at Rum and Q. We've got some uh, prize packs to give away. You just need to fire in uh, those things in sport that might have just annoyed you somewhat. Double eight, double three sends uh, those through. We'll pick up the phone 0800-150-811. It is time to head to a break, though. Coming up later in the show, uh, in the final hour after midday, we will catch up with Scotty Sadler. We will catch up with the uh, former uh, Penrith Panthers player and league commentator these days as we look at Magic Round and we look at the Warriors' next assignment against the aforementioned uh, Panthers. Looking forward to catching up with him. We'll also hear from the Good Oil crew what they've got uh, planned. Also, our regular features uh, before we depart, including our sporting tips you should probably run a mile from, and our workhorse of the week. 
or in this instance, workhorses. I've got a couple of nominations for completely different reasons. Right now, though, we look back at the season for the Wellington Phoenix. That all came to a crashing halt in Adelaide last night in the elimination final of the Isuzu Ute Men's A-League season, as heard on SENZ last night. Here's an opportunity, a good shot from Gauchi. They might have been their striker there, Zawada. And Gauchi, that's the first save of the game. An opportunity for Barbarous. Oh, it's across the face oh, of goal, but well Gauchi just got ahead of Zawada. <laughs> Terrific uh, cross there. And yeah, Joe was. Gauchi getting there just ahead of the pole. Dorigo gets the cross in. And who's there? Well, Wellington oh, Phoenix didn't play that. So they were look, looking for a handball. Great good one on his right back. There Scores! it is. Well, there you go. He knew exactly what he was going to do yeah. there, Angelo, but they still could stop him. Fell on his left leg, got it onto his right, and well, left his defender for dead. There's the first goal. Adelaide United take the lead by one goal to nil. Here comes Craig Goodwin. Here comes the cross. Blackwood! Blackwood. Oh, he should have put that away, really. Penalty oh. area. Chance oh, for the Phoenix. Oh, he's missed the post. That. How oh, on earth God. did he miss that? And again, the Jesus. Phoenix just not taking their opportunities. That should have been the equaliser. Oh, oh, good, nice ball there, Barnett. There's a few red shirts there. Barnett goes right outside to Blackwood. Blackwood inside the box. And oh. tame, lame shot straight at Oliver Sale. And he's got uh, Goodwin on his left-hand side. And that's where it goes to Craig Goodwin. Goodwin for Adelaide. Comes on his right pick. He's thrown down and it's a penalty. Oh, really needs to stop this to stay in the game. Craig Goodwin steps up to the ball. Shoots and oh. scores. Straight down the middle. Oliver Sale dive right. United lead by two goals to nil in this elimination final. Trying to look for a gap or someone, one of the players goes down. Here's a chance here for oh. Wellington Phoenix and a hit there just, just over the over. top. Didn't miss by much there from Oscar Zawada goes in the back. box. Now goes back. From here. Yep, now don't bring him down. Ball across the face of goal. Oh. Ibasuki, how did he miss that? Beautifully set up by Ilan Kunda. Keeper for Adelaide. There goes the final whistle and it's the end of the season for Wellington Phoenix. And Adelaide march on to the semi-finals with a 2-0 win over the next. Yes, Adelaide do go on into the next round of the playoffs. The Wellington Phoenix go home in the elimination final for the fourth time in five years. It's been a long time since they've won a playoff game way back in 2012. I think David Chode almost had here back in those days. He joins me to reflect the former All-White and SCNZ football commentator. David, good to hear from you. Um, but... We wish it was under better circumstances. I, I, I must. Admit, I'm just not surprised at all at the overall result. I didn't. I didn't give them a whole heap of a chance. Did you? No, I didn't, Daniel. I uh, spent a few hours in the pub before the game because it was a nice nine o'clock kickoff with a few football heads, and there wasn't much hope being held for the Phoenix. Um, they went into the finals limping, uh, and they uh, they stood up for a while. I thought the first twenty minutes they were good, uh, and uh, they fell behind, and there was probably no way back for them and the way they'd been playing this was no surprise yeah, I think you're right there was that feeling out period early in the game I thought it was played at good pace uh, you know a couple of half chances for the Wellington Phoenix but I was really disappointed on two fronts with the opening goal one how they conceded it and then how they responded there wasn't much of a response walk us through what you saw during uh, the Goodwin goal yeah look uh, the, the highlights reel won't be kind to Calanelli in particular his defending at the far post was um, all night a little bit ordinary um, and he was just outplayed by, to be fair, Craig Goodwin, probably one of the uh, the, the, the marquee players of the A-League. He's a, he's a fabulous player, Craig Goodwin, but uh, given that amount of uh, time and space and uh, he was just too good 
to be handled. The all white, uh, the all white for where he's played some all white football, um, just was uh, all at sea at that far post. It was extremely frustrating, I think, for Ufuk Tele because I think until the first goal, they looked quite competitive. Uh, they were they were sprightly, sharp to the ball, but it seemed to knock the wind out of their sails. Yeah, they just didn't respond. There wasn't much of a response, was there, David? And I'm labouring that point. Uh, Adelaide had, I thought, numerous opportunities to make it 2-0 before they actually did. Those sort of cross-field passes had great joys into wide areas. And it's not as if Adelaide don't come as advertised. They have a, a particular yeah, style, and they were just good at implementing it. Yeah, Adelaide did what Adelaide do. And the other thing with Adelaide, they had shown some vulnerability in the weeks coming in. So the, the opportunity, I think, was there for the Phoenix to perhaps spend a bit more time on the front foot. They never got going, really. Um, once going behind, you doubted there was a way back for them. Um, Adelaide were good, but the all, uh, the, the uh, Phoenix were ordinary, really. I thought um, more of the same that we saw for the last five or six weeks of the season, which was disappointing, really, given at the sort of turn of Christmas time, they were a side that you were talking about a top four finish or even a potential top two finish. Uh, my notes from watching last night, David, read this. Cryf on at half-time. Uh, in the early stages, they look bright in position, Wellington. I'm very worried about Adelaide on the break. Uh, and that's kind yep. of what happened. Ad- Ad- Adelaide sat and, and used their pace going forward. Yeah, they did get uh, a bit more ball in the second half, the Wellington Phoenix. And as you say, Cryf off the bench. Uh, he sort of ran out of form or certainly ran out of favour because he became a bench player in that sort of latter part of the season. In the early half of the season, he was the guy who got the goals early, if you remember. I think he, he ended up with six or so goals, and they were all got early in the season. Um, he was a real sort of nailed-on starter. He does make a difference to them. He's able to keep possession and, and get forward. But all that did was allow, uh, I think, Adelaide to suck up a bit of pressure, sit a bit deeper. And uh, when you've got the likes of Goodwin breaking forward, um, you've got real danger. So they are a chance to go further in a home-and-away semi- uh, series in the finals. But the Phoenix, their season is done. And if there is a moment that makes you think it's not going to be your night, it's right on the stroke of half-time. Uh, ball's in the penalty area. There's a good save made. I think Rufa gets the rebound. Toe pokes it, hits the post, and bounces back into Gauchi's hands. Uh, it just wasn't going to be the Wellington Phoenix's night. So so when you reflect on the season, um, Jody, how would, how would you judge it? You know, it, it, it's good yeah. getting into the playoffs, and they've done it four out of five years, and that needs to be commended. But, but it feels like Groundhog Day. It does feel like Groundhog Day, and um, you do feel for David Ball. I mean, he hit more than a lumberjack, didn't he? I mean, he's he's the kind of player that works his tail off. Uh, he's got a big engine, uh, and I think in the weeks preceding the uh, the match last night, he sort of was starting to hit some sort of form. And in that uh, melee just before halftime, had he been able to score at that point, um, he was in around it. Roofer, I think it was, who got the final touch against against the post, it might have changed the game for them. But when you reflect on a season that had them at halfway sort of looking like a side that could, uh, as I say, finish in the top four, and they tailed off so badly, I think that's what will be remembered, the tailing off this season. The one thing I would say, though, Ufik Tale in his time there has had the Phoenix as a side that is respected as a footballing outfit. Uh, They are almost sort of one of those sides that uh, the pundits always pick to come last. But I think football people know that the Ufik Tale Phoenix were always going to be a final side. He was a really good hire, 
There's no doubt about that. Um, so consistent. Three out of the four years he was here, they made the playoffs. The one year they um, didn't, it was by one point. He has brought a consistency, respectability, as you, you point out. But the minis on the eye too, David. It's just a shame they, yeah, that's... you know, they, they pick their worst games of the year to, to draw a dud in front of goal. Yeah, they, they ran out of um, steam. That uh, They were almost out of gas by the time they got to the finals. But I think Ufik Tala has created a Wellington Phoenix side that plays football that's good to watch. They play possession. Uh, they try and zip around the place. Out of possession, they were terrible, particularly in the second half of the season. I think that was a real weakness for them when they didn't have the ball. But when they got on the ball, they did play some decent football. Short passing was their, their go-to with the odd sort of outlet ball to Zavada up front, who was a real success. But Tele had been playing the kind of football that people want to see. So I think you'd have to say on that front, uh, Ufuk Tele's time will be reflected on positively. But going deeper in the finals means you've got to be playing your right, sort of your best football at the right time of year. And they certainly weren't doing that this season. Uh, Oscar Zavada clearly sweeping all the awards midweek. No surprise there when you're banging as many goals as he has, 15 of them in a debut season. Uh, you're going to get all the plaudits. Uh, Crive. Second on that goal-scoring sheet was seven, David. You were, you were right as far as his contribution. But if I, I'm to mention David Ball, one goal in 23 games. Costa Barbarossa's two goals in 23 games. Jansas, three goals in 22. You know, that's one big, um, you know, domestic player marquee signing and, and two foreign spots. They need more production, don't they? That, that, yep. Zavada yep. needs yep. help. Partic- yeah, yeah, particularly out of sort of midfield. You, you always like to see a, a side that's got someone in the midfield popping in five and six, which was, I suppose, Cry on this, on, on this season showing someone else sort of popping in three and fours. Um, but that just wasn't to be. David Ball was the guy I mentioned earlier. I mean, uh, I feel for the guy because he, he has such an engine on him. He worked so hard. But in front of goal, he just um, had no no finish to him. I mean, on occasion, as I said, he, the week before, he, he'd hit the post about three times in two minutes. All season, he's been the almost man for goals, but um, yeah. you do wonder if the nearly man is nearly coming to the end. Jan Suss was signed on a one-year deal. Not sure if he's going to be back, but four of the five import spots are filled. If, if you're running the club, and I'm putting you on the spot here, they've got Agarkovic leaving, they've got Lewis leaving, so that's a big chunk of centre and midfield. Ollie Sale um, uh, is departing. An overseas spot goes to what, a midfielder or a goalkeeper? Well, they've got a challenge on their hands, haven't they? I think they can fill the midfield spots with uh, potentially younger Australian players. That's the seat to be the go-to for the Phoenix, and it's worked reasonably well for them when you think of the players that have sort of come through the club. There's always a young Aussie or two popping about, or even a Kiwi who might pop out of uh, their reserve setup that might step up uh, old, perhaps. Um, you wonder you wonder about the goalkeeping situation. If they can't get themselves a uh, domestic keeper, um, I think they have to have a backup for Alex Paulson, who now becomes the number one. Um, I think that's probably the priority signing for them. Mm. How much attention needs to be um, spent on the defensive line? You, you're happy with the options they have going forward, or did the sort of instability at the back have you thinking they need to bolster? You know, I. <laughs> Player for player at the back, they've sort of got a, a reasonable amount of cover, I think. Um, I mean, they brought in Nico Boxall late on, and we haven't seen much of him. I think he only got one one appearance. Didn't look to um, sort of take that opportunity as well as uh, perhaps he might have. Um, the fullback positions, they've got to re-sign. I think um, Elliot is yet to sign, so on that showing, he didn't add any dollars to his uh, to his contract. I don't think. 
central defence. I see they had Finn Sermon sitting on the bench who the season before had made a good fist of things, so he'll be a year more experienced, although he didn't see much game time this season. Um, look, I think they've got probably enough to go with um, to, to, to settle the sort of side down, but I, I do think their, their real issues are in midfield and uh, going forward. All right, uh, Chody, we've got uh, Western Sydney Wanderers up against Sydney or Sydney Affair in the other elimination final. That's later tonight. Um, Adelaide Central Coast Mariners will now meet in the semi-finals next weekend. It's, of course, two-legged semi-finals, but no one stops Melbourne City, do they? You wouldn't think so, although I've got a soft spot for Central Coast Mariners. I just think that when they get yeah. going, they look really good. I think they're a side that if they can play their best football at the right time of year, and that's what it's about, they can threaten anyone. But you do think um, there's goals aplenty um, in, in uh, Melbourne City. You'd have to think McLaren and co. will be tough to stop. Um, so they'll be clearly favoured. But I'd love to see Central Coast get there because I think that's the best final. Brilliant. Well, there's certainly hopefully more goal-scoring uh, action than what you've seen out of your beloved Chelsea in recent times. Uh, that's going according <laughs> to plan, isn't it? Yeah, 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 there could be worse things uh, than the Phoenix, and there are. They're called Chelsea at the moment, so yeah, English <laughs> Premier League watching is uh, is a depressing watch. I, I I watched the midweek game against Arsenal, and um, someone had said to me, they're the kind of side that could go out and beat Arsenal. And I said, no, they're not, and they aren't. <laughs> Imagine if Frank Lampard didn't know so much about the club, how bad they would be. Oh, look, uh, Frank Lampard is just having a horror. And I think the other day the fans started singing his name, just letting him know that they love the guy. He's a terrific legend of the club. But um, I'm not sure anyone's putting him on uh, the managerial list at the moment. He's had a horrible, horrible run. Isn't he, uh, Dave? You're our legend. Thanks so much for taking the time for all your work over the season. It's a shame we won't hear you uh, on the wireless over the playoffs, uh, Ralphie, but we'll catch up with you next season, I do hope. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, David Choate, former White, part of the SENZ uh, Wellington Phoenix commentary team, uh, offering his post-mortem, another playoff, failing for the Wellington Phoenix. Gee, this club needs big moments. Uh, that's what rubbed me up the wrong way. That I, I do feel for fans. Uh, it's been a long time since the buzz of home playoffs and at home playoff victory. You know, it's 10 years, more than 10 years, 2012. That's a long, long time ago since the penalty shootout win uh, against Sydney, I think it was. It's 12 away from 12 o'clock. You can react to what you've heard from David. Double eight, double three on the Temper Bed Post text machine. We'll take a short break. Back with more. Seven minutes away from 12 o'clock coming up towards the top of the hour. Uh, I'm sure many of you will be interested to know um, what's happened at the Diamond League Athletics meet in Doha. Um, sprinter, New Zealand sprinter. It's weird to say. I just like saying it. New Zealand sprinter Zoe Hobbs. Made a pretty uh, decent effort in her first appearance of the season among the stars of world sprinting, uh, placing fifth at the Diamond League meet in Doha, uh, recording a time of 11.08 seconds in the women's 100 metres, uh, won by Shikari Richardson of the United States, who ran 10.76. It was her fifth fastest time of the breakthrough year over 104th best under the legal wind limit. Five-time Olympic medalist Sharika Jackson of Jamaica was second in 10.85 and former World 200 meter champion Adina Asher-Smith of Great Britain third in 10.98 at the Diamond League season opener. I must admit, Ben Francis, if I could choose to be uh, anything in world sport, you know, give me magical powers and I'd be re- Being a sprinter would be great, wouldn't it? 
you know, sprock up, run 100 metres a few times a year, and just know that you're, you're one of the fastest people on the planet. Imagine the, imagine the bragging rights there. I'm the fastest person on the planet. You can understand why Usain Bolt might have had a bit of a, an ego about it, a bit of an aura, a bit of a self, self-confidence. Uh, so that is uh, Zoe Hobbs, 11.08 seconds at the Diamond League meet in Doha, the first of the season. We're coming up at the top of the hour. Scotty Sadler will join us at some stage in the final hour as we talk rugby league magic round. Broncos top, all is right in the world, Ben Francis. But it's the Panthers and the Warriors that will drill down on. Workhorse of the Week nominations coming as well, and the sporting tips you should probably run a mile from. We'll check in with the Goodwill crew as well as we hit the final hour. And into the afternoon we turn. Bang on midday. Hope everyone is enjoying this Saturday. Out and about, enjoying your club sport. Good on you. We love you, Weekend Warriors. We've got chances for you to win. Thanks to our wonderful crew at Rum and Q. Aren't they good? Rum and Q. Award-winning. Good. Award-winning rubs, sauces, and seasonings. We've got prize packs to give away. Uh, I threw out an opinion piece earlier in the day called What's Rubbed Me the Wrong Way? We want to know what's rubbed you the wrong way in the world of sport. Double eight, double three. Everyone who participates, it's not that difficult. And I, I, trust me, trust me. You, the way Grant and I have been talking about the products last couple of weeks, you want some. From Rum and Q, they've got a prize pack to give away. Uh, so send in your suggestion. What has rubbed you the wrong way? On double eight, double three, the Timber Bed Post text machine. So a chance for you to win before we depart at one o'clock. As we like to do at the top of the hour, though, let's reset and um, tell you the very latest in sports headlines. Uh, New Zealand's continue to play second fiddle for Pakistan in the one-day international series in Pakistan. Of course, a, of course, a depleted New Zealand side up against the number one ranked one-day uh, cricket side on the planet, and it's proving very much the case. New Zealand humbled by 102 runs in the fourth one-day international in Karachi this time. Uh, Tom Latham won the to- toss, decided to have a bowl, um, and Pakistan... Went on and scored 334 for the loss of six. Bubba Azam struck a century. Took a while to get to his 100, as Grant Elliott described to us earlier. And a powerful lower order hitting display uh, propelled them to that score of 334 for the loss of six. In, new, in reply, New Zealand never really kept pace with that daunting run rate. Latham made 60. Chapman, a hard hit, 40-odd. New Zealand bowled out for 232. Last five wickets falling for 27 runs. Uh, the Ufuk Tele era at the Wellington Phoenix is over. They've gone down, eliminated the hand of Craig Goodwin's Adelaide United by two goals to nil. It was the Adelaide captain and Socceroos international Craig Goodwin who was at the four, bagging his 13th and 14th goals of the season. Go along with 10 assists. That guy is money, and he can win games by himself. Um, untidy defending did help as the Wellington Phoenix conceded one goal in each half. Uh, the defeat ends... Uh, Ufuk Tele's four years in charge of the Wellington Phoenix, while a number of Wellington players like Oli Sale, Clayton Lewis, Stephen Ugarkovic have played their last game for the club. And the Chiefs roll on. This time at the expense of the Highlanders in Super Rugby, closing out their 10th straight win. Flawless so far in Super Rugby Pacific, this time a big win, 52 points to 28 in Dunedin over the Highlanders. Uh, running in seven tries to four, the Chiefs did. At the opposite end of the spectrum, the struggling Highlanders crash into their fourth straight defeats. As far as Super Rugby, uh, those who whinge about not enough afternoon rugby, you get a bit of it today from 2.05. Granted, it is in Fiji. 
Uh, the Hurricanes are visiting the Drua, uh, but then the Crusaders take on the Force at 4.35. That's not really afternoon this time of year, is it, Ben Francis? That, that might be a long bow. It's afternoon-ish into early evening. If you're splitting hairs. And then later tonight, it is the Blues uh, hosting Moana Pacifica uh, before the Reds and the Waratahs. It's a mammoth day of Super Rugby. I'm not sure if the scheduling there is, is the best, as it being four games on a Saturday. Uh, you've got one game tomorrow afternoon, 2.35 Australian time. That would be nice. Sunday afternoon kickoffs. I think that's what I'd like to see more of, rather than just afternoon footy. I'm going to get a little bit more detailed and say, give me more Sunday afternoon kickoffs. Uh, the Rebels up against the Brumbies, that's 4.35 our time. Uh, so five games remaining um, in this weekend Super Rugby Pacific action. And to the NBA, as we wrap up these headlines at the top of the hour, to the NBA we turn, and the Celtics are leading the 76ers by 16 points to 9, halfway through the first quarter of their Eastern Conference semi-finals matchup. Of course, uh, that series is locked up at one apiece after the 76ers won game one before the Celtics leveled things up. So this game is at Philadelphia. Uh, game four is at Philadelphia. Then they go to Boston, back to Philadelphia, and then Boston. Hope you're paying attention to that. Uh, it's a pretty tight one. Uh, on that side of the equation, the Eastern Conference semifinals, uh, the other teams in action, the Miami Heat, taking on the New York Knicks. Uh, the Heat uh, won game one by seven. The Knicks came back, won game two by six. Uh, they play later uh, tomorrow. It's tomorrow, I do believe. That game's back at Miami. Uh, two games back at Miami. Who you got on that one, Ben Francis? The Knicks or the Heat? It's not the Knicks, is it? Knicks aren't going to the conference. No. They're not going to the conference finals, uh, are they? I'm, I'm, the a Knicks. Heat, I'm a Heat follower, Daniel, so that's my yeah. team. Yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Taking a ch- chunk, chunk out of the Knicks right now, I think you are. To the Western Conference we turn. Uh, the Denver Nuggets and the uh, Phoenix Suns. Uh, that series is 2-0, the Nuggets leading the Suns. Uh, Handy wins too, winning by 18 points and 10 points. Uh, game number three today is at Phoenix. Two games at Phoenix, games three and four, before returning to Denver. Denver, the number one seed, of course. Although I listen to a lot of uh, you know really wise NBA minds, uh, a lot on the station before the playoffs actually started, and very few people actually mention the Denver Nuggets as title contenders. Maybe that was maybe that was my interpretation of it, but it seemed to me a lot of people were taking their eye off um, the Nuggets, who have a guy like Nikola Jokic, who's like. Darn good, like the MVP good. And I see he really struggled in the last game, Ben. He only got 39 points and 16 rebounds. Oh, set, drop him off again. He's, he's not, a, he's not off worth 100 million. But it's all eyes. It, it's all eyes on two of the biggest stars to ever lace up their boots. It's the LA Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. A lot of people have their um, uh, minds on this one. That is leveled, uh, level at one game apiece. They play tomorrow in Los Angeles. It was the Lakers winning game one. Uh, the Warriors responded uh, with some uh, class, winning by 27 points. Problem is, Golden State Warriors on the road um, have not gone well so far in 2022-2023. And uh, the Lakers obviously snatched game one uh, and snatching home court advantage um, on Golden State Warriors home court. That's a look at the NBA playoffs. That is a look at sporting headlines to the top of the hour, seven minutes after 12 o'clock. Get your messages coming through, especially uh, to those 
who um, have been rubbed the wrong way as far as sport is concerned. Let's get to the text line. A few have backed up. Apologies if I don't get to all of them. Morning, Daniel. It might help make things a little bit fairer if the Broncos weren't a protected species and play almost of their game, almost all of their games at Suncorp, even their so-called away games. Oh, oh. Life's unfair, isn't it? I, how many, how many teams take away games to Brisbane? Seagulls have done it a fair bit, haven't they, Ben? Do you know why they take it? Because people care about league up there. And you know what? The Broncos are well supported. You get bums on seats. So people are happy to take um, the mucho, the money, because, hey, that's, that's, that's what professional sport's about these days. Not, not serving your fans, I, doing I feel, what your fans want. I feel so sorry, Daniel, for your Broncos. I feel so sorry for oh, them. Oh, because, no. Because, they, because the, the, poor, the, poor, the poor Broncos have to travel out of Queensland only five times this year. Oh, oh, that's such a hard life. So how many games at Suncorp do they play comparatively to uh, a normal NRL side playing home game? Well, I would say they would probably play more, to be honest. Well, yeah, because some teams play home games up there because they like the money. Hmm. Is that the Broncos' fault? Yep. Yep. And that makes them a protected species. I love it. I love it. They'll never lose another NRL game, he says, a week after they lost an NRL game. Mate, the best bet, 10 points each half. Chiefs, $4.50. Great coin last night, and I want the Highlanders to be better. Uh, thank you very much. Appreciate that. I'm, I'm glad you uh, won some money. Um, here's one from Rob. Who writes, hi Dan, you're just wondering if anyone has talked about the woke way Sky Sport is going with the rugby commentary, not having Nisbo or Justin Marsh calling the Chiefs Crusaders match last week was embarrassing and does a disservice to long-paying uh, Sky subscribers. Regards, Rob. Uh, Rob, I haven't heard much discourse on it. Um, I'm probably not the best positioned. I don't have my finger on the pulse as much as, as some other hosts Monday through Friday on this one. Uh, I respect that you're a long-paying uh, Sky subscriber and you're very much entitled to your opinion on it. Um, I, I'm going to sound like I'm going to dodge this, Ben Francis. Well, I was just going to say, just I find I find it very I find it very difficult to bag out other other commentators. Yes, it's, uh, it's hard. I I do a bit of commentary. I I find it's quite hard. So yeah, I'm protecting my own there. Yeah, I, the other I, thing is, I I often I often on a Friday night if I'm watching a Super Rugby game, an NRL game, and I think Ben and Grant know this. I watch it with the volume down. I very rarely watch sport with the volume up because I I like to come up with my own thoughts. So I'm probably not the best to judge uh, what you are given, um, Rob. Maybe others can chime in and tell you if they feel the same way. Uh, double eight, double three. Uh, but Rob, we'll chuck you in the drawer for what's rubbed you the wrong way as well, because that's clearly rubbed you the wrong way. Justin Marshall will be back on uh, the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run tomorrow afternoon on SCNZ. He's been away go, for Rob. a few weeks, but he's back. Is it true that he's been hunting New Zealand for the best butter chicken pie <laughs> over the last five weeks while he's been on holiday? Would you like? Would you like me to ask him? Yeah. I, I would. I well, would. I, I he'd, he'd, under, he'd predict something of that sort of lowbrow nature coming from me, being the non-intellect. Well, he, he spent some time in England as well, and I don't know if butter chicken is as big up there. He might have been looking for like a, a, korma, a korma pie or a tikka masala pie. Maybe he was trying to hammer out um, a key trade deal with the United Kingdom. <laughs> to get get the free flow of butter chicken pies to the United Kingdom. Oh, is, that why they, is, is that why they announced that deal during the week? Fast-tracked it. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. I think you're on to it. Just a marshal. I think you're on to it. Yeah. We'll find out uh, on the Bunnings Trade rugby run tomorrow. What time has that been, Francis? This is called a shameless plug. Between 12 and 2. Of course. Uh, it's 11 minutes after 12 o'clock. We will take a short break on the other side. We're going to talk some NRL. Can't wait to catch up with Scott Sadler. Uh, this weekend is the NRL Magic Round, and of course has to be in Brisbane because Br- the Broncos are not allowed to play anywhere else, are they? Because you know it's a it's it's an NRL conspiracy, isn't it? Right, Ben Francis. We'll talk more importantly about the New Zealand Warriors, who are in action tonight against the Panthers, um, and the man joining us after this break will be uh, someone who played for the Panthers with great distinction. Uh, often heard on SEN across the ditch, part of our family of radio stations. We're going to be welcoming in Scott Sadler after this. No Grant Elliott for the last week. He will be back from Pakistan next Saturday, so he tells me. Uh, so my uh, general co-host to return next Saturday. Very much looking forward to that. It's uh, myself with Ben Francis riding shotgun through to 1 o'clock. It's uh, 16 after 12. Let's talk the NRL. Let's talk magic round. Let's talk all things in Brisbane, where only good things happen. Isn't that right, Ben Francis? Yeah, we've banged on yes. about that enough. Let's welcome in a man who knows one or two things about uh, what it takes to uh, be a high-class performer in the NRL, often heard on SENZ uh, because of his uh, commitments with SEN. We are delighted to welcome in a man who's uh, raked up over 100 games for the Panthers. We haven't had him on the show this season, but we welcome Scott Sadler back with uh, great gusto. Good to hear from you again, Scott. Are you doing all right? Live from Brisneyland, they call it, in, in Magic Round. It's... Uh... Outstanding. The weather is about 26 degrees. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's just perfect weather when you want festivals like this to happen. Um, this is what 2019 is the first one, guys. We missed last year because of COVID, but uh, outside of that, it's just. I think it's one of the most exciting weekends on the uh, rugby league calendar. Why is that? Just to elaborate on it. Why is it? Why is it so special? Because you've got all well, one team's got to buy the Newcastle Knights, and a few of their players have gone to Bali for some reason when they got the weekend off. But outside of that, um, you got all sixteen teams at one location, Suncorp Stadium, which which seats about fifty two and a half thousand people. You've got all the teams in one area. You've got all the teams walking around the streets of Brisbane. I'm I'm at the hotel now uh, in Brisbane, and there's four NRL teams all staying in the same hotel, and they're all in the same precinct. And then you've got all the fans that all converge on one area from all around the East Coast. And a lot of Kiwis, I've got to say, a lot of Warriors fans over here that have, that have travelled over for it. And, and the best part about it is you've got all these different jerseys that are just all together. You've got families, you've got couples, you've got you know, just single groups of uh, guys that are together on, on trips away, whatever it may be. And then the best part about it also, you see a lot of jerseys, guys, of teams that aren't in the comps anymore, like your North Sydney Bears, your Newtown Jets. They all come out of everywhere and it's just, it's got a real origin, real origin atmosphere to it. That's the, the energy that's in the grandstands when you get around Suncorp Stadium. Oh, that's a great description. Thanks for that, uh, Scotty. Uh, let, let me go off on one of my tangents. Team most likely to get in off-field trouble, is it the Knights or the 16 other teams? It's definitely the Knights, isn't it? Well, well yeah, the Knights <laughs> are not here at Magic Man. They've got the bye, so... They're, uh, they're, they're causing their own concerns at the moment going to Bali as a coach. So um, that's concerning that you've got players thinking they can go away. But uh, the, the team that is most likely to get into trouble while away um, in Brisbane at Magic Round, I'm going to have to say, I have to say my old team, the Penrith Panthers, they're so disciplined in everything they do. But you take the boys out of the West and you throw them into uh, into the South East. <laughs> I'll tell you what, can I just say, guys, I'm just... 
I'm yeah. just standing here now, and about about three metres away from me is um, is big Nelson Asafa Solomana. He's, he's a proud Kiwi. I've never seen a bigger rugby league player in my entire career, and I've been around touch rugby him. league my whole fifty-five touch years. Him. He is. I'm not going. I'm not going to go anywhere. You can't touch him because I'm sure he's made of granite. Yeah, he'd be made of concrete, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. Frightening how big he looks. Are you glad you're retired? When you've just seen him three meters away. I was actually, I was actually talking with Matty Rogers, who you know I do sports day with with SEN, and yeah, and you know Matty Rogers is one of the great rugby league players. You know, Jules International, and he played. He said at his heaviest, he played at about seventy-eight kilos. And he said, I said to him, yes, I said, how would have we survived? Like, I weighed 95 kilos, and, and, and I was only a little forward, but I, we were saying to each other, how would we survive in this day and age, looking at the size of these? I walked up alongside Sean Johnson and Nico Hines yesterday, and like, Nico Hines is over six foot. Sean Johnson's a big halfback. I, I, I just can't believe how big these athletes are these days. I can't believe Matty Rogers was only 78 kgs, mate. It was a dynamo you, ball in hand across a both sports. Story. I know we're going off tangent here a little bit, but I was fortunate to play. I love tangents. Um, yeah, I, I want to comp with Preston Campbell and, and Penrith, but I played in his debut in 1998, and we were the Gold Coast Chargers. We played against the Belmain Tigers, and he was 58 kilos when he made his debut. <laughs> and the conditioner, the conditioner had to lie to the head coach because the head coach said, I'll never play anyone under 62. So they, they put a couple of two and a half kilo weights down the back of his back of his shorts and they weighed him the day before the game. 58 gigs! 58 gigs! That yeah. is absolutely magnificent. Oh, dear. I, I, love, I love a tangent, Scotty. You know that. And I love how you take us down tangents. The, the Raiders-Bulldogs, um, high-scoring encounter, 64 points. The Raiders getting up by four. But then the Broncos, to, to keep the natives happy, absolutely thumping the Seagulls last night, 32 points to six. Kind of making amends for receiving their own toweling last weekend, the Broncos. Yeah, and, and also, um, they had Payne Haas and... Ezra Mam out. They were back last night, so it was no surprise they're going to be better. And then uh, the first game, that was really entertaining. The way to kick off Magic Round with uh, 11 tries scored, it was, that was amazing. It was amazing to commentate, uh, amazing to sit there and watch them see the, you know, the, uh, that attacking style of rugby league open up Magic Round. Pretty, pretty good. Really keen to pick your brain about uh, the Warriors and Panthers. Before I do that, our stories um, linking Sean Johnson. Well, clubs interested outside of New Zealand. I think the Tigers have been linked to maybe getting Sean Johnson to go back across the other side of the ditch. Considering his form in Australia to the form he's showing here at the Warriors, it's sort of counterintuitive to me that he'd want to get away from home. Well, you know, at 32 years young, I think people are writing the end of his uh, career a little bit early, aren't they? He's got a number of years considering what he's showing yeah, us this yeah. year. Players are playing a lot older now. Uh, we know that. Um, and that's just because of sports science and the way that we're, like, we let players recover. Um, so we're a lot smarter the way we deal with players now, with head injuries, everything. It's just, it's just prolonging people's careers. And Sean Johnson is the sort of guy that can play for another couple of years easy. Would I, would I think that Sean Johnson would be good at another club? I don't think he would. I think he's just a Warriors boy. I, I thought he was good at the Sharks. There was a lot of people... He was much maligned at the Sharks, but I've got to say, I didn't yeah. mind him at the Sharks, but I think he's just a Warriors man. I, I remember that game when he returned, and last year, I think they, they beat the Cowboys at Redcliffe, I think, and he got interviewed after the game. He just The passion and love that he had for that jersey in his eyes, and the way that he expressed himself was, you know, it brings goosebumps when you listen to it, and I, I just think that 
Sean Johnson in that jersey, playing you know for his, his home country, is just is what he's made of. And so, although he's only you know got this year's contract, I think he's proven, and uh, up until now that he he definitely deserves to stay there. And um, and um, and I, I just think that. I just think that if he was to go to another club like the West Tigers, who are trying to rebuild, I don't think he needs that in his career right now. I think mm. he needs to be comfortable with his family life, comfortable with his surroundings, and that's when you're playing best footy. You know, the West Tigers, you've got to you've got to take a completely different mindset. And he just looks like he's enjoying his footy. He's been really well coached too by Andrew Webster. I've got to say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Panthers and eighth. The Warriors have just slipped out of the uh, the top eight after last night's results. Uh, I, I think one would be far more comfortable uh, with their position than the other. Uh, the Panthers expect uh, far greater things from themselves uh, considering what they've done in the last few years. So why why are they sort of a 50-50 side this year as far as performances on the park? The Panthers? Um, yes. I think, I think, guys, it's because they've lost the Billy Army kick out. Well, I think they're a biggest loss. They lost... Uh, Epi Coruscant as well who yeah he's a really good player he's a class player but I think the, uh, the loss of Kikiaz probably been the biggest yeah he's that big go-to man I look at he reminds me of a guy that we want to comp with Tony Poole too a six foot five big sub yes. boy um, yeah very mobile ran like a centre had skills like a halfback all that sort of stuff but in saying that um, yeah, him not being there if Tony Poole too wasn't there we wouldn't have won the comp in 2003 Billy Armakikiyo's not there now, so he takes a lot of pressure off. Um, so all the pressure get in gets heaped on to Jerome Roy. So that's the reason why they're not as dominant as what they are. But guys, you go and look at their defensive record. How much the points of how many points they've conceded this year? Well below any other team in the comp. And so with, if you can do that, you know, yeah. I was, before my father passed away a few weeks ago, I remember one of the famous things he used to always say to me: he "Goes, Scotty, there's teams that are regular season teams, and then there's teams that you face in the finals." He's talking about the great dragon side that won 11 grand finals in a row in the 50s and 60s. He said, in 1965, we beat them three times during the season. Then we played them in the grand final, and I realised there's a, a St. George Dragons team you face in the regular season, and then there's a Dragons team you face in the finals. That's what the Panthers are like. They'll do what they need to do to get to the top four. When they get to the semi-finals, you'll see a completely different Panthers side. Yeah. I, I, I'm just... You're so right about their defence. 111 points in eight games. You know, that's yeah. under 14 points per game. That's a magic number. I always look, if you can keep a side to 14 or under, you are going to win three quarters of your games. So, so they'll figure it out on the offensive side eventually. Yeah, they'll click. It'll take them a while, but they'll, they'll get everything right. And all they know is they're not conceding a lot of points. And if you're not conceding a lot of points, but you know that you can score points, well, you're halfway there. Yeah. Uh, what chance are you giving the Warriors? Oh, I'll, I'll give them every chance, to be quiet. Oh, I love the way they're playing. I think they need a dry track. I don't think the, the, the way that Andrew Webster's coaching them, I don't think it really fit their, their style last week. Um, so I think they need a dry track. I like the expansive style they're, trying, uh, they're playing with, but I love with the defensive resolve that he's brought into them, that, that Penrith defensive resolve, which you've never really attributed to Warriors teams over years, where they can defend for long periods of time. They, they've got the ability to do that. They've they seem to be really mentally tough, so I'll give them every every hope. And you've got to remember, Andrew Webster is at the part of the Panthers' great success over the last three years. So, indeed, you know, it's not that he knows every one of their secrets, but he knows where to expose some of their weaknesses. Brilliant stuff, Scott. I've kept uh, you on much longer than we thought. Thank you so much, mate. Um, you know, go well. Um, it sounds like you're having a great old time. Uh, make the most of it. Milk magic round for all it's worth.
Oh, I definitely will two days ago. I'll be searching for a beer by about 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Good on you, Scott. Thanks so much, Scott Sedler, joining us on the program uh, out of Australia, out of Brisbane, Magic Round, uh, as heard on SEN. Uh, great to get him on the program. Uh, always such wonderful insights. So it's giving the Warriors a great shot. We'll be a Titanic close. It's the next game. It's the next game in Magic Round. It kicks off at 5 o'clock New Zealand time. We'll have full coverage right here on SENZ. We will take a break, and then uh, we're going to jump straight to Rickerton and a horse race after this. All right, a photo for first and second between number four and three with uh, Hey Mickey. We know Hey Mickey, you're so fine. Hey Mickey, you'll finish third in this race. Uh, you'll get wonderful jokes like that from one o'clock onwards here on SENZ. It's the good oil with Play-Doh. He's got that big, amazing smile of his. You know he's had a good morning. Probably, may, maybe even had a collect there. He, he might be fired up about the Warriors only being four and a half hours away from kicking off. Here he is. Hello, Clayto. Hello, Dan. Yeah, no, nah, the jokes won't be that good this afternoon. I'll give you the tip. <laughs> we'll try that. You're not here for jokes. You're not here for jokes, mate. You're here for making moolah, yeah, making it we're rain. Not, we're not here for the spiders. We're here to make money for the Pundas Club. It's going to be a tough <laughs> day, though. Horse- why is that? Why is that? Explain to wet, this ignorant fool. A uh, couple of wet tracks. There's no feature events as such at Tarapa, but a really nice two-year-old race. We've got Solidify, who was a winner last week, and um, a son of Redwood, who sired um, sharp and smart, and of course, the Derby winner, and Platinum Invader, who you know, won the Auckland Cup. And, gee, Ryan Elliott, he, Ryan Elliott, the jockey, he's had one hell of a season. He's got a great affinity with the Redwoods. So, Roger with another smart two-year-old, but he's got to come up against the Philly Viva Vienna. So, looking forward to that clash. That's race six, the Waikato Equine Veterinary Centre, two-year-old stakes. That's about half past two. With no feature race, to use your term there, does that mean you just spread your love um, evenly across all of them? Because often you you like to, you know, keep a little bit larger portion of the pot for the feature race, would you not? Um, Oh, no, we we spread it far and wide. There is a couple of features, to be fair, like I'm a bit harsh there. Um, Champagne Stakes and Great Easter Stakes uh, down there at Rickerton today. So we've got Greg O'Connor. He's uh, our spy from the South Island. So we're two from two with Greg O, like winning a return for the Pundits Club. So we're looking forward to getting Greg O back on course. And he's he's pushing Sticko McKee for his spot. So this will be interesting this afternoon. No Louis. So we have the two guns going against each other. So I'll just sit back and let them go. Oh, right, so you got rid of the liability, Louis, and, and, and brought in the experts. <laughs> you nailed it in one, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. Well, uh, you know, Greg's a massive leaguey too, right? Yeah. He'll have to multitask this afternoon. He will, like, um, yeah, we're good. We're finishing at five, so we'll be there right in time for the Warriors. And Like, how, how good is it? And Greg, I ran into Greg a few years ago outside the trackside office when he was up from Christchurch, and he said... Hey, Clayto, I've got a jacket here for you. It's no good for me, but I thought you might like it. And a blue jacket, it was a Western Bulldogs hoodie. I said, you are kidding me, mate. You are kidding me. He goes, oh, do you follow the Western Bulldogs? I said, mate, mate, how much do you want for it? He goes, no, no, you can have it. So, Where, where, where does your love and affection for the Bulldogs come from? Oh, my younger days, living in Melbourne, when you had to have a team. Yeah, you have to have a team over there. And I learned you don't pick um, teams like Collingwood, because everyone hates Collingwood supporters. So my flatmate told me, support Footscray, Footscray, because they're useless and everyone will feel sorry for you. So when we went out, they go, who do you support? I go, Footscray. And I said, yeah, 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 54 was a good year. Yeah, you know, they're rebuilding, rebuilding. 
but yeah, we showed them. We won the flag in 2016. No, not that you're proud of that moment at all. I am. I am so proud of them. Yeah. And they're oh, battlers. They stuff. are battlers. They're not one of the glamour teams like the Geelong Cats and all those fancy pants teams like that. Anyone who supports Geelong Cats, like. I've, I've never really had an AFL team. I've passed an interesting interest in the sport, but, you know, many years ago I used to do a regular segment on a radio show on the AFL. And it was a time when the Carlton Blues were so bad. They were, like, losing by, like, 80 points a week. It was historically bad. I think I'm a Carlton fan now because they were so crap. Yeah. But I just wanted them to stay terrible because I, I thought that was the beauty of their story. Is they were they one of the elites, Carlton, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. they were. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day. But, you know, they've oh, all yeah, had the mighty their, have fallen. You know, like Collingwood, you know, but like Arsenal or Manchester United, you know, like the top of the tree for so long. And it's all come back to earth now, you know, so... You just follow a team, just pick one team. Don't have to watch every game, but it is a great game. And when the ball's out of play, the clock stops. So you're getting the full you're getting the full action, you know, full thirty minute quarters is oh, I just love it. And yeah. there's no mucking around getting you know, getting set to throw the ball in for a line out. It's just like the ball's going in, the umpire's throwing <laughs> the ball in, like are you ready or not? Like I love it, I love it. It's, um, yeah, you'll, just follow one you'll team. Be ready. You'll be ready after one o'clock with a good oil clatter. Good to see you, mate. Thanks. Take Dan. it easy, have a good show. We will. Thank you. It is twenty. It's twenty minutes away from one o'clock. Sticko, Greg, Clayto, they'll look after you from one through to five o'clock here on SENZ when they'll wrap things up. And then you've got live sport. You've got the Warriors uh, taking on the Panthers. Uh, I know uh, SENZ is currently on the hunt uh, with the one New Zealand Warriors for New Zealand's number one one New Zealand Warriors fan. But we know who the one is. The one one New Zealand Warriors fan above all other ones. Did I get enough ones in there? Uh, uh, ben Francis. I, I want to state of the nation. I want to pulse of the nation. As you're putting on um, what looks like... Are you off temp and bowling, or have you hurt yourself? Looks like you're putting on some sort of wrist protector. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a wrist protector, that's correct. W- what is that for? My wrist. Yeah. What, for darts, temp and bowling? No, just to keep it uh, a bit more secure. Stop stabbing yourself? Yeah, stop stabbing myself. You're you're prone to stabbing yourself. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a I've got a bad habit. Like I'm naturally good at stabbing myself for some reason. Yeah, I, I want to know how you're feeling about uh, life as um, New Zealand's number one one New Zealand Warriors fan. Well, I'm feeling a bit stressed at the moment because I thought the game was actually at seven thirty, not at five o'clock. It's five. It's five, right? <laughs> so when you said five o'clock, I was like, oh, I got that one wrong. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely. I I didn't get that. I think I got that right. No, you have. No, time management has never been my strength. It is five o'clock. Yeah, it's Warriors, no. Panthers, they're up next, and then later tonight, it's the Sharkies. Sharks will eat dolphins. It's just the way of the world, right? Sharks will always eat a dolphin. Um, and then you've got Storm Rabbits. I'm looking forward to that one. That's quarter to ten. Man, what a lineup! But what what chance? Warriors have a much better chance than last weekend. I, I tried to warn people: no Torhu Harris, no uh, Nicole Clockstad. Come on, let, let's pump the brakes. This is going to be a really tough assignment. They come back. How big a deal is that? Oh, look, they were massive, and they were they were, like Tohu was missed massively last week. But the one the one kind of question I still have around the team is I'm not fully sold on Dylan Walker playing at six, and it's not because he's bad at playing six. It's more because at the start of the season when things were running a bit more smoothly, his impact off the bench was massive, and I feel like the Warriors are really missing that. And one thing Andrew Webster said, he said he would not play – he said that was – 
Dylan's position unless he had no other option, which that might be the case. He might you know, obviously doesn't think Ronald Volkman is probably up to playing that six at the moment, but the Warriors are missing that impact from him, and I kind of feel that if they had that against the Panthers, uh, I would probably be a bit more confident, but hey, I, I will. And in fairness, you have been saying this really since uh, Tamari Martin's injury. Um, and, and you've highlighted how important impact off the bench is. You've well, been pretty consistent well, on that. Well, even, even Jazz Tavanga last week as well, they have one of those guys there playing in the middle. It would be it would have been a completely different ball game. Yeah, indeed. Let's get back to the Timber Bear Post text machine on double eight double three. Here's Gary who writes, G'day, Daniel. Sorry to bang on about it once again. But the Phoenix defence has rubbed me the wrong way. Midfield, not much better. Sad to say, we to end the season after a really good start we had. Uh, yeah, we made the playoffs. Where does it go? Yeah, we made the playoffs, but it would be nice to progress a bit further one day. Uh, cheers from Gary. Completely agree with you, Gary. I think that was sort of um, the basis of my um, opinion piece earlier today. Yeah, they've been very consistent. Yep, that needs to be acknowledged. Yep, um, that is no easy feat, making the playoffs four out of five years. But for, to me, football fans and domestic football needs a big occasion, needs big nights. Um, the women's game is going to get some big nights um, in, in the months ahead. That's that's great. Um, but, you know, domestic men's football has lacked those big nights, so I would argue. We go from Gary to Kerry. Hope I got that right, Kerry. And this is a good one. Ben Francis, take this advice on board. What rubbed me up the wrong way was the wife who invited people around for dinner. See, where you put the comma. It's all about where you put the comma. I'll start again. Sorry, Kerry. Uh, what rubbed me up the wrong way was the wife invited people around for dinner who don't really like sport. And then there's about seven or eight emojis. I, I think that we don't really decipher on the text machine. Hard to watch game on with no volume, but looked a great game. You can, I disagree. You can watch a game with the volume down and take it all on board. But when there's other people in the house that you should probably be conversing with, Kerry, completely understand why that is distracting. I, th- I think it's probably... Not sure if it's your wife's fault, though. It's probably feeling a bit bitter. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've accumulated enough brownie points, uh, Kara, and, and maybe you need to go work in the garden this weekend. Just some, just some welcome advice. You're welcome. Great shout, though. Um, shout that in the uh, rub me the wrong way uh, pile. Uh, you might be a winner. Uh, keep your messages coming through. Running out of time, it's quarter to one. We will take a short break. We'll dish out our, uh, well, my awards for our Midas, sorry, our workhorse of the week, and then the sporting tips you should probably run a mile from. New Zealand's voice of sport, Smithy. Mornings with Ian Smith. Weekdays from nine on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Afternoons with Staffy. Tony Johnson out of Sky Sport. G'day, TJ. Staffy has asked me pretty much every week this year, should we be worried about Will Jordan not playing? Well, worry not. (laughs) And and it's great to see. And I guess it's just something that's taken time to sort out. They've been wise to take their time because it's obviously been quite a debilitating thing. The great thing is that this brilliant player is back playing. And I look forward to actually going down to do the game uh, this weekend. I look forward to doing that. It is almost 10 minutes away from 1 o'clock time to hit the final straight, the final stretch of this program. Big thanks to everyone who's played a part, all our guests, uh, and especially you, uh, listener, wherever you may uh, have been or how you've contributed, especially those who've uh, played a part and rubbed the wrong way. Experience rum and Q's award-winning barbecue rubs, sauces and seasoning 
absolutely perfect for any occasion. All right. Let's get to our workhorses of the week. Those who have truly inspired us for a variety of reasons, for whatever reason it may be. Uh, ben Francis, I, I actually didn't speak to you in the break and have not asked if you've actually got one. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Uh, workhorse of the week. Oh, this is a this is a it's a really tough one, Daniel. It's incredible. Especially tough. when you haven't thought about it all week and have just realised, <laughs> yes, Daniel's gonna ask me well, the same question he asks every week. Well, I, I didn't know if it was really a workhorse of the week, but I kind of feel like you've got to go something for Chelsea because they're like they're, they're just suffering. <laughs> How bad they are? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> you know, like they're so bad. bad fans. Like, is, is Frank Lampard working hard enough? I, I don't know. Like, as I, as I said to Jody, imagine if he didn't know the club as well yeah. as he did. How bad they would be! Incredible. I can't wait for Grant Elliott to return next Saturday. What? Uh, what, what Frank is Lampard. Frank Lampard's former team. Uh, is it, Everton, is it, they look like they're going down. Yeah. They're going down. Is it, is <laughs> it too back, late Grant. to nominate? The thing was, like, was it Connor Gallagher? Because they had the goal of the month award, but he was like the only goal scorer last month. <laughs> so I think that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like a big shout out to Sam Allardyce and his agent. They are geniuses. The 68-year-old former England manager um, is, is back from the wilderness. Um, he had not... Uh, managed in nearly two years, but he is back. He uh, in the SOS has been sent out by Leeds. How's this, Ben Francis? He will manage them for four games, right? He will earn five hundred thousand pounds for those four games. If he keeps them in the English Premier League, he will get a seven-figure bonus. That's millions, and the millions might be about two. Actually, don't quote me. I'm not exactly sure, but it's in the millions. And because they are currently outside the relegation zone, Ben Francis, he could feasibly lose all of those games and still get the bonus. His manager or agent, genius. And also um, Big Sam for coming out in the press conference and saying this. Lots of people thinking I'm old and antiquated, which is so far from the truth. There is no one ahead of me in football terms. Not Pep, not Klopp, not Arteta. All right. Thank you very much, Sam. But my workhorse of the week goes to the Napoli football fans. Congratulations, Napoli. They are celebrating their first Serie A title in over 30 years. Uh, and they've had a heck of a week. They could have wrapped it up last weekend, Ben, but they didn't. Uh, but the city of Naples has been transformed into an epic uh, street party. Roads filled with people singing, dancing and hugging one another after their uh, team actually won uh, Serie A. Certainly better than the fans that rushed the field after they got the result against Udinese, took off their belts and had a belt-whipping fight with the Udinese fans on the field. That was a little bit weird. That was a little bit odd, fair to say. Not as odd as the um, funeral that certain fans had held midweek, burying the other 19 Serie A teams. They buried all of their um, opponents. It was a full casket. Scarves and flags. They had a funeral for the other 19 teams. And you'd, if you didn't think it was weird enough, Ben Francis... Fans were also told last weekend, when uh, Napoli could have won the title, they were told, and this is not a word of a lie, to steer clear of Mount Vesuvius, the volcano that overlooks the southern city of Naples, because park officials had become concerned at reports Napoli's fanatical fans planned to set off flares to light up the volcano. Vesuvius. You might remember that name, of course. Vesuvius. Pretty large volcano, uh, you might remember from uh, AD 79, that destroyed the nearby Roman city of Pompeii. It remains active, and they wanted to throw flares into 
the volcano to light up the city in Italian colours or wipe out civilization in that part of the country. I'm not sure. So, Napoli fans, for the good, the bad, and the ugly, you're my workhorse of the week. Congratulations. Sporting tips you should probably run a mile from. I'm going down a path we don't often do on the show, Ben Francis, but hear me out. I'll be quick. The Central Pulse take on the Magic. They're both paying $1.85. This game is tomorrow. The Pulse are in second. The Pulse are going to make it to the finals. I, I, I've said this earlier. The Pulse, 6 of 12 games, has been decided by two goals or less, Ben Francis. The sporting tip you should probably run a mile from this weekend is tipping the Pulse to win by 1 to 5 goals, paying $4.25. You're welcome. Have you got one? Yeah, you I do. You? Evan, uh, you've had all week to think about it. Bradford need a point to, to go to the playoffs. Come on, Bradford. Uh, Andy Cook, the leading goal scorer in League 2, he's paying two ten to score at any time. So if they're going to get that point, he needs to score. So easy money there, $2.10. Andy Cook, your goal scorer. Come on, Andy. Come on, Andy Cook. Come on, the Pulse. Uh, hope you enjoyed the program. Thanks so much to all our guests. Uh, the good all is up next. Ta-da. Thanks, Ben. Pitch next Saturday.